the Agostin Hosinga show with your host Agostin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 665 of the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. This is episode number 665 coming at you live and direct from an undisclosed location somewhere in Bermuda. Who knows? Who knows? But thank you for joining me on this lovely, lovely, beautiful day. How am I? How have I been? Pretty good, all things considering. I cannot complain. I cannot complain. There are some things I could complain about, which I probably will end up complaining about because this is the number one cultural commentary podcast in the world. And part of, you know, the, a major part of commentary is complaining about crap. It complaining about crap about crap and being upset about things and offering absolutely no solutions is the path to win when you are the number one cultural commentator in the world and i guess i'm up there i really do guess i'm up there but hopefully you guys are fine wherever you are wherever you are hearing this i've had a very very jam-packed and busy day most of it surrounded going to the gym and running loads of errands and working and all that good stuff and my body is sore as a judge i ended up doing loads of really heavy lifts in the gym and then i ended up kind of finishing it off with two with eight 200 meter sprints on the treadmill which was absolutely brutal i was doing them on the road quite often but today i thought you know what let me just do it at the end of my workout to kind of round it out because i like to be in and out in like about 45 minutes to an hour and usually if i do my deadlifts push presses back squats um you know power cleans bench presses and deadlifts and stuff usually i can get out of the gym within 45 minutes but when i added the running at the end of it it totaled up to about an hour 10 which is probably the longest i've been in the gym for the most for the most time i think so it honestly is the most time i've actually been in the gym i tried to get in and out about an hour but i was in it for about an hour 20 minutes pretty brutal but you know what we got the work done we got the work done so the outer mason summer that i need is definitely coming up rather soon and i'm really 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 happy about that um apart from that what else has been going on with me not really much to be honest like i said i'm, I'm, I'm on this nice little bergheim kind of six week training camp where i'm going to be relatively clean for the next six weeks um in kind of you know anticipation for me going to bergheim hopefully by the end of may there's a little big day happening on the 25th that I'm really, really happy and really excited to go to, especially because it features one of my favorite labels, one of my favorite, favorite labels called Toytonics. They're going to be out there, so I can't wait to kind of get out there and go boogie and see what the vibe is saying. So I'm really looking forward to doing that when I get there. So I want to put myself in the best physical condition possible to get out there be snatched up as the chat is saying throwing up the shapes um you know having my i want to do that thing where i have my hands in the air and my and a little bit of my t-shirt rises up and you can see that v 
that's what I want, you know. I want to be able to put my hands in the air like this, and when my shirt rises up, you just see the you just see the little crevice on the side. You know what I mean? That's all I want. <laughs> that's all i want that's my dream my number one dream i'm gonna have my little chain on my little choker chain right gripping my flipping throat right like i'm into some kinky stuff i'm gonna have my chain gripping on i'm gonna have my hands in the air i'm gonna be looking from left to right right giving it all that giving it all that and people are gonna be loving it and i'm gonna be loving it too i cannot wait i cannot cannot wait (laughs) it's gonna be so much fun honestly i'm really looking forward to it so that's what i'm doing for the next couple of um weeks or so so keeping it fairly clean and being basically a good lad for the next few weeks it should be pretty good so i'm looking forward to that but yeah big up everybody tuning in big up the chat thank you for joining in with me i see a lot of the usuals here big up uche koila um natashki marty moose i see dark web j here i see mma johnny all the big ones are in here big up everybody for joining in i appreciate every single one of you for joining in and hearing me rant and rave about all this dumb stuff so big up you big up you First of all, first update to take a look at, right, is this update. First update to take a look about is this, talking about football. We have to just, just briefly, the, it just keeps getting worse and worse for United fans and myself, of course. Man United issued Martinez and Varane update. So just to kind of, you know, save you the flipping read. Essentially, Rafael Varane, one of our star centre-backs, along with Sandra Martinez, who have made a real big impact this season, are both out injured. Varane is out injured um, for three weeks, but Lissandra Martinez, his season is over. He broke a mesotarsal bone in his body, so in his foot, and he is done for the season. So two of our starting centre-backs, the ones who kind of gave us the foundation to build on so that we could be this free-flowing attacking team uh, out for the entire season. So we're now going to have to rely, we're now going to have to rely on this absolutely massive-headed £80 million of a waste of a player, Harry Maguire, who's allegedly our captain. This oaf, this absolute ugly oaf is going to be the one that's going to be leading our back line. And he's crap. He's so bad. He's slow. He's like the, he's, he's slow. He's tall. He's tall, but he's very slow. He's physical, but he always gets wrestled off of the ball. The only thing he's good at is heading the ball clear from defensive line, but everything else has been horrible. And the fact that we haven't rotated him that much, it also means that when he does eventually play, he's not going to be on form. He's not going to be confident. So we've got a double whammy there happening. So United fans are world over are crying myself included our season is done and most probably we're not going to finish in the top four anymore the top four is over for, for united fan the top four is over it really really is let me just double check what the, ta- what the table is saying but essentially the top four is over there's no chance that united are ever going to finish in the top four to get champions league football i don't think especially considering how close it is already it's kind of close united are fourth with 56 points tottenham are only fifth fifth with 53 and Villa are 47 and they're already on the charge but if we start dropping points because we have to play Harry Maguire in defense it's going to be bloody peak so that's the one thing that kind of got under my bonnet but what can I do about that pretty much nothing so I'm going to be watching us I'm going to be crying and I'm going to be hoping there's a miracle where Varane is able to kind of come back a little bit sooner than the three weeks and hopefully he doesn't get injured again at least we'll have at least one world-class defender playing at the back and we'll have to rely on Harry Maguire and Lynn love or somebody or god forbid a phil jones so i'm really scared about that really worried but hey it kind of is what it is and hopefully it gets better soon hopefully it gets better soon moving on from that 
and just jumping straight into stuff because I need to I need to talk about this because I think this is super fascinating. So I've been kind of keeping my eye on the no jumper kind of drama that's been going on because I'm a fan of no jumper to begin with. I was a fan of no jumper platform before it went tits up or even before the hype, because I always thought their interviews, especially when Adam 22 was doing it in the beginning and the podcast they'd have were really entertaining. It kind of gave you a different perspective on what life was like in LA because my LA sort of like perspective only came from stand up comedians. And those guys are all old white dudes who are kind of uncool. It's not really the best endorsement to kind of seeing what regular life for people who maybe come from the same place I do over here in the UK live like over there. So no jumper, podcast and the platform overall is what gave me that and then of course over time they didn't end up being a platform that kind of highlighted and sort of shone a light on all these kind of up-and-coming rappers from the kind of soundcloud era you think of excess and Tashion and a few other people who kind of got famous on that platform and that was really good to kind of see their ascent um to stardom kind of documented in real time you see them in the vlogs and then you see them on a podcast and then you see them do shows together even someone like um like uh, I can't figure the guy's name now, but loads of them anyway. We're kind of connected to No Jumper, so I've been a big fan of them overall. But this new iteration of No Jumper has kind of fizzled out, then turned into this whole like drama reality TV thing. Even though it kind of helped to boost No Jumper's profile and kind of gave them more, kind of gave them resuscitated them as a platform because I felt like they were kind of dying or on life support for a while. But then Adam Twenty Two kind of had this idea of bringing on these extra or other co-hosts who weren't associated with the brand at all or the platform and just people that he kind of liked or he kind of went to give a shot and it started off with ad then he had a few other people like internal like house phone working there who was kind of associated with no jumper and he had a show and all these other things and they kind of slowly started to build it out until they got to a point where adam decided to go buy a building and they'd have all these shows housed under kind of one sort of like network but then over time, unfortunately, Adam's personality, his kind of first and desire for having views over anything really kind of butted heads with a lot of those guys who are from the streets. Um, they have a different way of kind of navigating life, different protocols, different things they kind of stand on. And those kind of conflicts and that, you know, him coming from the, you know, clicks by any means, DJ Vlad, TMZ type of thing. And those guys coming from the streets or just having morals and principles and not wanting to be hoed out. It kind of just clashed and it kind of eventually all fell down down now the kind of fallout from it has been fascinating to watch fascinating because at the core of it you could say they've all contributed to some part in in their own ways to no jumper basically dying a very slow death because now everybody's basically left and the only people there now is that fat fuck um flacco um yuri of course who you know is bloody essentially um adam 22's cock holster and of course sharp who's a bit of a solid guy who's kind of stood there everyone knows basically left one of the funny things about this to kind of view from the outside and as a fan is that i felt like everybody had a part to blame had a part to play in the blame game of like how it kind of fell out but for some reason Adam 22, who plays a very considerable part in kind of, you know, he, he has a very considerable part of the blame to kind of take, doesn't want to take it, doesn't want to say sorry, and just generally is unaware of how his actions may have impacted other people who are on that platform, especially if those other people are friends. He just doesn't seem to understand it or comprehend it. So one thing I want to play here 
I've got a few clips I want to play back to back. But the first clip I want to get up is Adam22 sitting down with Sharp on No Jumper for, I think, an episode of Sharp Tank. I think it is. I'm not too sure. But essentially, they sit down and kind of hash it out and talk about what happened and kind of just clear the air. And one of the good, one of the clips I thought was quite interesting to kind of pull up is this along on the main video, which is around 24, 10 minutes. I'm going to just queue it up here on my side. It's around 24, 10 where essentially Adam 22 asks um, Sharp why he didn't leave because he was kind of feeling pressured at the time to leave also because everybody that was black essentially was leaving. So he kind of felt a bit of the pressure. So he kind of asked him why he didn't leave. And then I'm kind of going to go in a bit of my commentary as well. So this is Sharp talking about why he decided not to leave No Jumper, even though everybody else left because they felt somewhat betrayed by... Um, Adam 22 disrespected not acknowledged blah 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 this is Sharp's opinion of why he stayed like what we didn't know this is yeah. the most popular thing out right well, now well what I'm describing is probably not that out of the ordinary so it probably happens all the time <laughs> for real man so celebrities like they probably gotta deal with that shit all the time but anyway um okay here's a question that I wanted to ask you you obviously had a lot of people kind of p- trying to put pressure on you acting like you were supposed to leave no jumper too what was the sharp thought process when uh hearing all that um to be honest, we'll start it from the beginning. Yeah. And how I felt about it, it was like I tried to stay out of it. Mm. Man, I really did. Like I didn't want to, even though I knew I was going to take heat for shit already, just because like this was, I, I couldn't ignore this one. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't be like, oh, well, business so as usual. Just stay business <laughs> as usual. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm just minding my business. It kind of drug me into it. So, you know, dealing with it from, you know, some of the viewers and being like, oh, Sharp, you need to leave or Sharp, you need to start your own shit. I'm like, I've had no problems here in this building. Like, none. I don't have any problems with our agreements. I don't have any problems with, like, I don't have, I don't I don't sit here with, I don't sit here right now on this couch with malice in my heart towards you. I just don't, bro. Mm-hmm. If I did, I'd rather call you. You know how I get out. I feel like some shit ain't for the camera, but... Some things had to get leaked and or just talked about rather. And, you know, we talked about it. And like I said, man, I just felt like I, I came in by myself. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody patted me on the back, bro, and be like, yeah, 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 come in. Yeah, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? I had to show my worth. Right. I'm- and I think that's basically the main point. The main point of this is that sharp wasn't anyone's friend he basically came on the jumper off of the back of that iconic viral um white underbelly interview that he did and if you're not familiar white underbelly is a really cool channel where the guy essentially um talks to and kind of highlights this plight and the struggle of people who are going through drug addiction people who are in gangs people who came out of prison people who just are kind of what the internet would deem to be down bad but he does provide them with the opportunity to kind of tell their story and i feel like it's a real good platform to go and check out um because you get a lot of uh, you know information and insight into what those lifestyles are like and i think a lot of those people even though they're american I think that kind of um, stories, those narratives could be applied to anybody around the world. So if you are, you know, maybe, you know, on the flipping um, crazy path and you're going down a place of kind of self-destruction, those type of channels are good, quite a good place to sort of like get sobered up and figure out, hey, if I keep going down a path that I'm going down, this is the direction I can kind of go in from these people. And there's hundreds of videos on there, of people kind of saying the same sort of message and kind of talking about how their life's basically spiraled out of control after making a couple of bad, you know, d- d- decisions 
friends or maybe just some bad luck overall so it's a pretty good one and he went on there and spoke about his basically you know his journey and his life and what he kind of came through and what he basically did to get where he wanted to go to and it kind of came across really well very genuine and of course you know adam 22 kind of scooped him up and put him on his platform so I didn't expect him to leave. And I think actually I had way more respect for Sharp. The fact that he kind of decided to stay only because he said he didn't have any issues with Adam directly. And oddly enough, I think even though the drama didn't affect him, it probably did benefit him because of all the bad business and the way he basically, I think Adam 22 didn't really respect or do right by the guys on the platform who some of them considered him friends. I think he's going to benefit from because Adam's not going to want to fuck it up again. You, want, you don't expect him to, especially because Sharp is like one of the only ones left there who is still kind of a draw when it comes to pulling numbers because, you know, that platform and Adam are kind of obsessed with how much views they get on stuff, which is what it is, but I guess because you, know, you have to pay the bills. But if that's the case and you're obsessed with the views and that's the main prerogative about pe keeping people on, someone like a Sharp is definitely someone you have to keep on board because like it or not, if you don't like his approach or how he goes on, he is blockbuster when it comes to, or sorry, he's Netflix when it comes to bloody um getting in the views and pulling people in people definitely do like him when he's on there ranting and raving and saying the things that he says or dropping the jewels and the wisdom that he does so people definitely do get that so i understand that and i also liked when he went on um ad show he spoke really well to ad to the point where you know ace boy pun had to step in and basically get him to hang up the phone and kind of turned it into a beef thing because you know he did raise some good points to ad like hey couldn't you have dealt with this in a way that didn't result in you kind of deciding to bounce that this could have been dealt with in another way because i think essentially the whole reason why that kind of all fell down and went to shit was because i think personally because of adam adam 22 should have never spoken to lush about any business pertaining to the employees or staff members there the fact that he did speak to him and then lush obviously somebody who can't keep a secret and is clearly somebody who's already kind of a little bit fragile in his own way once that story got out and it kind of was turned into chinese whispers it kind of always was going to land on ad's feet looking a bit funny style so it was impossible for him to not take that disrespect and not feel had been slighted even though he hadn't been slighted maybe who knows you know but i did like the fact that sharp was real enough to kind of you know not confront but tell um give basically um ad a different side of the story and basically say hey you could have maybe dealt with this in a better way as well that could have maybe helped you in the future because there is also a scenario i could imagine where ad could have stayed for a few more months or whatever you know run it up get some checks in and whatnot and then bounce later on it didn't have to be just off the back of everything that happened right in that moment it was a little bit reactive but you know it all kind of helped and kind of worked out for everybody in the long run going forward then the next the next clip i want to play the one that's the most important one, the funniest one personally for me, is this clip. This clip is absolutely hilarious. So this is a clip of Adam essentially saying that he misses A.D. Terrell. And I say, I, I think it's mostly Terrell he misses in this clip. He say he misses Terrell um, and all the guys there. And he kind of feels like Terrell shouldn't be feeling a way about him because they never had an issue. It was an issue he had with Housefern, of course, prior, and an issue that he had with um, AD, but they had no personal issue, so he shouldn't be kind of like not wanting to speak to him. They should still be friends, which I think is legitimately the most delusional lack of accountability thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, this guy is absolutely on another planet if he thinks that Tyrell should still be friends with him 
um, based on what happened and how basically everything kind of, you know, um, how everything transpired over time. This is really, really crazy. But this is Adam 22 talking about how he feels like he didn't do some people wrong and they should still be cool with him. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to be real with you. Like, okay, so we, we covered the house phone thing and talked about how him leaving was pretty understandable and everything. Mm-hmm. With the other guys who left more recently, I'm going to be real. It's like, I don't really feel like I disrespected them in the same way that shit went down with house phone you know i think that realistically you know a few weeks out you can look at it and be like they had a good thing going they had their own momentum they picked an opportune time to dip out and i can't really like identify the thing that i did to them that was so fucked up that they had to leave or but that by proxy you should have to leave as well that's the mad thing about this guy he still doesn't get it like I, I can sit here honestly and say that Adam Twenty Two's personality—he has never really—I've never liked his personality. As like he's never kind of been somebody that I could say, "Oh, he seems like a likable kind of guy." You kind of put up with him because of the content he put out, and in the beginning stages, he used to actually put, he used to actually do really good interviews. He'd be one of the only ones I think within that hip hop sphere who was interviewing the artists who would interview who, who actually sounded like because a lot of these guys in that hip hop media space if they interview like younger artists who are coming up, they kind of have it as a point of pride. That they don't listen to their music. The, the younger artist kind of has to earn their respect. I think you saw that happening with that viral um, interview of like Lou Uzi Ver and Ebro on like Hot 97 back in the day where like Ebro is basically acting a little bit like, not aloof, but he's got a bit of an attitude. He's acting like, you know, Lucifer has to kind of earn his respect or earn his listen. This is a really bizarre attitude that a lot of these hip hop media guys have with the younger people. I'm not sure what that's about, but regardless, Adam Twenty Two at the time I fought beforehand a few years ago was one of the only people in that space of hip hop media who I felt like actually listened to the the albums or read up on the person that they were going to interview. So he did really good interviews. Um, he had a pretty sick platform in terms of the vlogs that they did and the other shows that they did. So even though his personality and him as a human being is kind of unlikable, he kind of comes across like a bit of a cunt. You kind of put up with it because of the product was so good. Cool, right? You, you put up with it because the product was so good. But in this situation... Even I can say, even not liking the guy, that he's not totally to blame, but he has some blame in it. Maybe a huge portion of it, but not all of it is his fault. But the fact that he can sit there and he's still not aware that a whole number of things happened at the same time that contribute to everybody leaving, but he also contributed to all those things is ridiculous. Like he doesn't understand it. He just doesn't get it. There's no kind of comprehension. And maybe that's just like a narcissist thing you just don't see the error in your ways like everybody is wrong but you but sometimes i think to myself if you work somewhere or if you're the boss or if you're the founder or if you're whatever the leader of a place and everybody leaves because they have an issue with you surely at some point even if you're a narcissist surely at some point you have to say to yourself hold on maybe there is something wrong with me maybe i did something to make everybody leave but he can't actually rationalize it. It doesn't make any sense in his head that maybe that was the reason why. Now, I'm not saying that he's totally to blame, but like I said before, I think he contributed in some part to it breaking down. And of course, everybody else contributed some part to it, but he played a huge part in it because he's a flipping leader. But hey, what do I know? Let's continue. That was a lot. I was just like, ah, man, like, Cause I fuck with everybody, homie, and I, I'm sure, like, I ain't saying nobody says it, but I'm sure motherfuckers be like, well, damn, you know, 
fuck sharp then. You know what I'm saying? Like straight up. Like, but I, man, I had nothing. I have, I have had will nothing but love for everybody that was here, being here, leaving doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I don't change, bro. Mm. I don't just change on people overnight. So I'm always gonna have love for them. I'm always gonna shoot my support. But hey, man, over here, this, this is. I, I touched some bread in this motherfucker. Mm. So I ain't about to, you know. Uh, oh, we have a good no. relationship. And I have to respect that too about Sharp too. He's protecting his money. And obviously he has no personal problem with Adam 22. There were parts of this interview where he did come across a little bit like a cheerleader. But again, you're at work. You're in front of your boss. Sometimes, you know, some things can get a little bit. You can sometimes get a bit ahead of yourself. So I'm not going to blame him too much for that. But I do respect the fact that he didn't jump on the whole like, oh, I'm going to quit too because everyone's quitting thing. Because sometimes that can be a mistake people can make where you can get a little bit too emotional about things and make hasty decisions. And in the financial situation we're in now or in the economic situation we're in at the moment, no one should be making any hasty decisions about their job. If it doesn't, you know, if you can suck it up and get to work and clock in and clock out and collect your check, do it. If it's possible, if it's if it, if it's untenable, then of course hand in your resignation and look for another job asap. But people shouldn't be just quitting jobs, especially stuff like this, especially stuff like this where you just sit around and talk about shit that you see on DJ Academics's Instagram stream or flipping Instagram feed. Sorry, you shouldn't be quitting those type of jobs hastily, especially if they're paying you pretty well. Just stay on your thing, mind your business, and kind of keep your head down. And we do good business. We but, do great fucking business. But th that's just kind of my thing. All these all these weeks removed from the other situation is yeah. like, I feel like we're supposed to still be friends, right? Yeah. I don't feel like those people should be putting dirt <laughs> on my name or trying to like you know crazy hold guy. the grudge out the door. And to be real with you, a bunch of them have been very very considerate with what they were able to say or crazy what they were willing guy. to say, etc. But when I look at it, it's like, so am I? Am I not supposed to be cool with T-Row? Because I feel like I'm, in my mind, Crazy I don't feel guy. like anything happened between he, me and him that should prohibit us from having a friendship. And there's been multiple times where I thought about hitting him up over the past couple of weeks, Insane. even just about some shit that don't have anything to do with anything to just be like, hey, check this out. And then I'm like, fuck, like, I feel like I'm not supposed to hit him up. I feel like the narrative is that we're not cool, even though we've had little conversations here and there since then. But I don't the guy is delusional and he's crazy. But what you can say for sure, just to give him some sense of compassion, is that he's definitely super lonely. He's got all the money in the world. He's got all the clout in the world. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a kid. He may have another kid coming. Who knows? Um, he's married. Everything's going well in life. But he's lonely. He built this platform and it was kind of all around him. It was no jumper, but it was basically his platform. And over time, he brought all these hosts on and they basically got to share the limelight with him. And he was able to create this whole group of people. Like, you should see how happy Adam was in that flipping Christmas vlog that they did. When they all came in the office, they were all handing secret Santa gifts to each other. He looked really happy because he looked around, probably thought to himself, wow, I did this. I got all these people from all these different walks of life under one roof. They're all, they're all working underneath me, but they've all kind of contributed to success that no jumper is now and it was probably way more fun that way what's the point of being rich and famous if you don't have anyone to share it with and obviously now that everybody is left he's essential on his own and those guys that he were close he had this host that he hired on his platform he kind of saw some of them as friends but now the fact that they left with a bad taste in their mouth they don't want to be his friend anymore and he's legitimately alone he has no one else to speak to yeah you know he doesn't want to sit there and have a chat with flipping flocko he's obviously a bit you know 
on the spectrum. So is flipping Yuri. That's not going to be a flipping fun conversation to have. Um, I, you know, all my suspect looks like looks like the kind of guy who clocks in and clocks out. Sharp looks like the kind of guy who clocks in and clocks out. So he essentially has no one else to talk to apart from Josh, who is essentially a family member. So he's that's where he's feeling now. But for if he's sitting there legitimately and thinking that T-Roll owes him a friendship still after everything's going on, this man is legitimately on another planet. Because if you think about it, forget AD. If I'm T-Rail and I saw the way Adam did house phone, forget AD. AD, of course, that's his friend. They're from the same area. They grew up the same place, blah, 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 whatever, cool. But let's look at house phone. If I'm T-Rail and I saw the way Adam 22 did house phone with having that trans um, person on the platform who said what they said about house phone and how they may have hooked up in the past, knowing that house phone had a current girlfriend at the time and S girl cheeks and what that did to his life and how it basically eventually led to the, he's basically his relationship breaking down and may have contributed to house phone relapsing and all this malarkey. And they were good friends for a long, long time. If I saw the way that Adam 22 did house phone, my Lombos would be ringing straight away. Like, wow, this is a guy he's actually known for like 10 plus years. They're actually friends. They're not just colleagues. They've been on the grind together. They got it out the quote unquote mud together on no jumper. And he did him that way. My Lombos would be running, would be ringing straight. I'll be like, whoa, this guy is not to be trusted. This guy is definitely somebody that could stab me in the back. This guy is definitely somebody that could scum me over. I'm going to be watching my P's and Q's around this guy. I don't want to be caught in a situation where you are going to do anything to me that may flip in, you know, throw me off or kind of ruin my life. That's what I would do. Then you add on top of that what he did with AD. The AD situation, I'm probably in a minority where I feel like I've watched enough of the podcast to see that AD was starting to phone it in towards the end. I think even he would admit that he was starting to kind of phone it in. He wasn't really trying. He basically was coming in, essentially collecting his check, doing the bare minimum. Maybe it was because he was a bit kind of over it. Maybe it was because he was putting a lot of energy into his own community thing and everything else going on over there. Or maybe just in general, you know, whatever. Just maybe his personality, I don't know. But he definitely needed to kind of get given a kick up the arse to kind of maybe bring it, quote unquote, more on that kind of platform and kind of bring his A game on there and adam if they were friends owed him that conversation of like hey man i'm i'm thinking of of moving the channel to another direction but obviously you've been a big part of this change and how we've kind of got to this point and i kind of think you're owed at least the chance to try and turn around your your show your own performance so i'm going to tell you now that as a friend like hey i'm thinking about maybe letting you go or moving you on but i want to give you the chance to kind of earn your spot or whatever maybe just something but he deserved a conversation a direct one that didn't happen maybe it happened in bits and pieces or whatever it may be but what ended up happening was that he ended up telling lush somebody that was hired new onto the platform what he actually thought of ad and his free four three or four same jokes he tells and all this malarkey and sometimes it doesn't really matter how you say something or what gets no it doesn't really matter what you say it usually matters like how it's done and i feel like if you're ad and you feel like you and Adam are, are friends, hearing third, fourth, fifth hand that Adam told Lush about your performance and about letting you go is always going to stink. It's always going to come back sounding crazy that somebody you count a friend went behind your back and told somebody else. Or even if it's something that they told you, because now Adam's saying this new narrative he's spinning is that, oh, I actually told AD 
that I wanted him to move him on from the show and take him off no, the Monday show, whatever it may be, before I told Lush anyway. Even if that's the case, the fact that it still came from Lush was really weird and bizarre. And I still stand on that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's a professional in any way, shape or form for the boss and for the leader of a company to be discussing other employees performances with other employees performances that should be something you should be discussing with management with upper management with other founders whatever it may be people within that kind of leadership position but you shouldn't be talking to you know if you're a boss you should be talking to the receptionist about um the guy in the printing room that you want to fire or whatever it may be you should be talking to somebody else um that's in a leadership position because that's how things are done in a sort of professional workplace manner and you want to give people the respect that they deserve so you don't want to you know rumors to be flying around so you can kind of keep a close lid on what's going on but that didn't really happen of course and then of course that kind of led to the overall downfall of it so for him to sit there and legitimately think that you know, uh, AD and Tiro being as close as they are, that they wouldn't a see the issue with House Phone and think, oh, that is really bad omen. Because if 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 Adam could do that to House Phone, who is his friend for ten plus years, what can he do to us? If he didn't see that as a bad omen, or the fact that he treated the way Adam AD the way he did, I don't see why this guy legitimately thinks that Tiro owes him anything. It's quite bizarre that he'd even have that kind of mindset. It's really, really insane that he'd actually think that. And it's, I'm glad he said that because I think he said that in an effort to kind of, you know, pull at fucking Tiro's sympathy or something or make him feel a way about something or whatever it may be, right? But I love the fact that um, Tiro didn't really kind of bite on that bullshit and instead um, said this is a reply. This is probably the best reply that anyone could say in the face of Adam basically trying to pull the sympathy card, trying to play victim and trying to act like he didn't do anything to contribute to the fact that everybody ran away from No Jumper because he's just a really difficult person to get along with and he doesn't know how to treat people well basically and on the human level he doesn't know how to kind of like be nice to people or just treat them in some sort of respectful way so this is tiro replying to adam 22 on his podcast back on fig this is a pretty good reply hey i don't give a fuck nigga i ain't trying to hear none of that sad ass vulnerable ass whole ass <laughs> shit bitch stick your chest out hole and do your shit because we gonna do our shit and then that's it you feel me like this is what i'm doing over here you feel me hey you know niggas out here calling me idiots calling me dumb calling me stupid you know what i'm saying fire niggas on niggas platform fire homies doing all this shit stick your chest out you feel me fuck it like nigga we ain't trying to hear none of that shit nigga you better get shark motherfucking ass over there all stand week on business too, like fun say stand on like, <laughs> I said to God that was brilliant we don't want to hear none of that sorry soppy sad ass shit and it's true it's true and and what he said is true at the end as well stand on it stand on it puff your chest out if he legitimately thought all of those guys weren't contributing to the no jumper because that's another new narrative he's spinning. Adam's throwing out so many narratives to kind of basically distract from him just not fessing up to his own mistakes and saying the most crucial words. I'm sorry. In that whole episode, I think I don't. I'm not too sure if I heard many sorries about how sorry he was about what happened, how it transpired. It's just loads of kind of vaguenesses and kind of you know dancing around certain things and basically making all the excuses possible just to kind of you know um, distance himself from any kind of blame or accountability. But one thing that's for certain is that if he legitimately did think these guys are not contributing, like imagine if he was actually a brutal, you know, a, a really cutthroat CEO 
founder guy who was like, you know what? Even though these guys are my friends, they're not contributing to the bottom line. The shows that are actually getting the most views or the most money are my interviews. Cool. I'm going to cut all these guys off. Cut them all off. Be brutal. Be cutthroat. Okay, be cold-hearted. But then don't start now crying and starting to play the sympathy card on the other end also. You can't be both. And I think there's a thing nowadays in just culture overall where everybody wants to be both everybody wants to be the boss everyone wants to be the savage but they also want to be the victim when it's kind of opportune and it sort of works for them and i don't think life works that way you have to choose one or the either, one of the one or one or the other either you're the aggressor or you're the victim but you cannot be both especially not at the same time maybe you can be both one after the other but not at the flipping same damn time come on now so if he did legitimately think those guys weren't contributing to the bottom dollar of course then cool or the bottom line cool get rid of them get rid of them stand on your business say cool i'm moving a new direction hire all these flipping right-wing loudmouths who are going to go on there and start talking about trans issues and gay bathrooms and you know flipping drag queens talking to people in libraries whatever get those people to talk about those same tired topics they talk about all the time and get them on no jumper and basically turn no jumper into you know flipping destiny but with other people on there do that but now he's seeing that he doesn't really want to do that or he's seeing the flipping chasm and the hole that is now left from all those shows leaving and the money is probably not looking as great as it probably would do if those guys were still on and now he's regretting how things basically transpired but you know his arrogance his narcissism doesn't let him just say yep you know what hold my hands up i messed up he still has to kind of blow via and make it weird so i'm glad t-roll basically said that and essentially told him to go and spin on it you know because there he's got no absolute time for it whatsoever in the slightest so big up t-roll for standing on business on his end and basically saying hey i don't care what you say it's over with i'm done with that stuff and then the final bit as well i thought was hilarious with this bit <laughs> basically flexing and kind of emphasizing that hey i'm done and you know i would miss me too this is hilarious <laughs> that nigga stick his chest off talking about he getting paid more than me bitch look at this shit behind me and i'm behind bitch, this, bitch. Yeah, that you losing your motherfucking mind. Lose can pay more. I would, look, I would miss me exactly. too, bitch. Fuck. I would miss me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant face, isn't it? I would miss me too. I absolutely love that. So big up T Raw, big up all those guys over there. That's absolutely fantastic. And then of course, there's another bit also here. One more clip I want to play, um, where basically T Raw explains a bit further. Um, some of the issues he had over there and just the lack of money that was given. I think someone mentioned in the chat that I think Tiro said he was getting paid like 300 an episode or 200 episodes or something, something crazy, something pittance, which you'd, I think is a pittance for them, especially for Tiro because he was one of the bigger hosts and, you know, the guys who'd kind of generate the most views and whatnot. So for them to be paid that low was crazy, but this is his overall opinions on it. Then play the clip you know, the pay, you know what I'm saying? And niggas was like, not, wasn't making no money. And it's just like, prove my point to what I was saying and what I, you know, so I've been saying, like, you can't, you can't show me, you can't, you can't show me in the group chat. Oh, you guys only made $700. I'm not making any money. And uh, I might cancel the show tomorrow. And, uh, oh, uh, and it's just God. like, nigga, I, you can't, you can't do me like that. I'm like, well, shit. Cause I ain't making no hoes. You know what I mean? Like, so, Ain't no room for me to be going up in here trying to negotiate, trying to see if I can get a raise. And I'm just a loyal nigga. I'm not finna be, I'm not finna do that. You know what I mean? But also still, I'm, you know, as a businessman, I'm like, hold on. So you make 700 and we got the clip channel and Snapchat or Facebook. We gonna, we gonna add that up. Okay, we got brand deals. We got this. 
oh, not only you, we, what we can't calculate is uh, people living on the channel after they watch our, you know what I'm saying? After they watch our show, they're living on the channel. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to put that into the analytics to know how much was being made on the channel. But now you do because, you know what I'm saying? It just was, you know, so narcissistic and just arrogant. Like niggas was just watching our show only and only going to show me what was made from our show. So it's like, now you do. Because now when you left, you will see the hit. You will see what we brought. And, you know, and I, I felt it in my gut. I knew it, but I, I couldn't prove it. But I knew we brought people there. I knew we brought subscribers there. I knew we, I knew we brought some shit there to fans. Anyway, that's what you said about that. So some really good insights there. But it just goes back to my main point of view. Like, it's just a bit upsetting, to be honest, from afar to watch this stuff. It happens with podcasts here in the UK also. I don't know. I feel like this whole podcasting scene, especially within that the hip hop community and space and whatnot, is a real good opportunity for people who are from really humble, you know, from 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 humble beginnings or from from the hood or from you know deprived neighborhoods and from places where maybe they don't get many opportunities to really really put themselves into position where they can make some real good money and essentially pull their whole entire family and maybe generations to come out of the depths of poverty. It's really cool. And it's also something that is fairly easy to do. Yes, the equipment, you have to buy the equipment and stuff, which is kind of pricey when you begin with. And maybe to start from zero with no views, no subscribers, no downloads is kind of hard. But if you stick at it and you've got a pretty good niche and maybe you've got a good personality and you come across well on camera, it's a pretty easy thing to kind of get right. And for me, for the guys who have the privilege or who have the gift or who have been given, ordained or chosen by the public to be the ones that people love and they want to view and check out and they get all the views, they get all the sponsors. I just don't understand why you just can't make it work or figure it out. Why does it always have to end in beef? Why does it always have to end in like back and forths and nonsense and people firing and all this sort of stuff? It's a genuine opportunity where legitimately people can make money from talking into a flipping webcam you know in their bedroom about nonsense they see on the internet and people can view it and whatnot like why does it always have to end like this why can't people just like figure out the business and make it work because this is the first time in history really people can legitimately take themselves from the depths of poverty from like really low places and pull themselves out there just from being themselves on camera not having to flip in acquiesce to some nonsense boss, not having to flip in abide by these stupid rules of a, of a network just by being yourself. Like, and actually the internet actually is like that. The more honest you are with your audience, usually for the most part, the more you get rewarded because they actually like that you're presenting your real authentic self on there. So why can't these guys see that gift that they've been given that opportunity, that blessing from 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 above or from the universe, and basically use it um, for all its for all its purposes, and kind of you know make it work for the long run. Why does it always have to end like this? I don't like it. Obviously, to view in terms of drama, and I've always said on here before that I like this self stuff because essentially it's a it's a weird version of like the Kardashians. You get to watch these guys kind of you know back and forth bicker and whatnot, but it is kind of sad and kind of lame also. They get given an opportunity to make real money, to make a difference, to make a change, to inspire people, to entertain people mostly. And they always make a way to kind of 
not shoot themselves in the foot, but really kind of mess it up in some sort of way. And I just don't understand why. It's really easy. It's kind of fun, it looks like, because you get to do it with your friends. You're not having to hire random people that you can work with. It's people that you actually like to spend time with and you get to put a camera on and basically, you know, make something of it along the way. Why not just make it work? Why not just figure it out? Especially because most of these people also are grown-ups. We're not talking about people who are like, you know, young TikTokers. We're talking about guys and girls who have kids who have mortgages, who have, you know, bills and stuff, who live a regular life, who've worked a regular life, who've worked a regular job, and they still don't see this benefit, this blessing they've been given, and just trying to make it work. They kind of always have to kind of, you know, sprinkle some flipping drama in just to kind of, I don't know, get some, get their rocks off. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe because I'm a one-man show kind of thing, I don't understand it, but I just think even if I had friends I was working with, I'd want to make it work with my friends because it's fun doing it with your friends. Why get into a position where you have to beef? But maybe that's out of people's control. Who knows? Who bloody knows? Um, yeah, Koyla's right, man, in the chat. Yeah, it's a lesson about being greasy. Yeah, you're right, actually. It is. A, there, is a, there is something about it. There is something to be said for not caring about money. It's kind of a weird conundrum to be in. You kind of have to care about money, especially if you're at their kind of level. Maybe not on mine because, you know, who gives a fuck? Just talk about what you don't talk about. But when you're on their kind of level and you're, you know, and you're, you're getting like, you know, 50,000 views plus on your flipping live stream and stuff, right? And you're getting 100,000 views on your interviews, you're making decent money. You're probably pulling in more than 10 grand a week. And when those type of monies get involved, usually for most people out there, that's most money you're ever going to make ever in your life or most money you've ever made at until this point. So maybe with that kind of money, your brain starts to like change, you know, which is really dumb, really. Everyone should just be doing, in theory, what kind of Joe Rogan's doing, where despite the amount of money and views and notoriety and fame he's got, the show is basically still the same. It's just him sitting down with people talking. It hasn't changed. There's no like intermission with a band playing. He doesn't suddenly get up and start doing fucking jujitsu. It's just him sitting on the table talking to someone. And it kind of has worked because he just kept it basically the same, improved it in terms of studio equipment, lighting cameras and whatnot here and there. Maybe the caliber of guests are improving also along the way. But the, the main crux of the show is what it is. The team is very small and it just works. Maybe that's the thing. But I think with these guys, when the money gets involved and they start thinking about the money, it kind of just changes the quality of the show a little bit in a weird way, which is odd. Um, and it kind of makes them feel like they're way more important than what they are also because it kind of, because maybe a lot of them as well, I kind of think about it also. They have this kind of thing, what I used to have, where you kind of feel like you're like an undiscovered genius. You feel like you're like a, you're like this, um, it's really strange feeling that you have where you feel like I'm that guy when you're, when you have nothing to show for it. Right. So sometimes when you make it in the podcasting sense, it suddenly gives you that. See, I knew it. I knew I was that guy. I knew I was that girl. I knew I was a boss. I knew it. And you start to kind of believe legitimately that your shit doesn't stink. And then you start to de develop an ego and it starts to go a bit crazy. And I think again, to be, to get them a little bit of, you know, to give them some benefit of doubt, I'm also sure that it hasn't been analyzed yet, but people need to analyze it. There is maybe something really weird about being a regular person in you from like the age of 25 to no, yeah, a regular person within the age range of like 25 and 45. One day turning on your phone or going on your, on your phone live stream, suddenly becoming famous 
in that kind of age range from going being a regular person who works a regular job who lives a regular life to then suddenly becoming famous in a way it must be such a trip to kind of figure out in your head so maybe it kind of breaks everyone's brain we've seen it countless times you know jordan peterson is the first one that kind of comes to mind he was a regular lecturer a regular psychiatrist or psychologist sorry living a somewhat regular life one video goes viral of him arguing with some student outside of some university and then suddenly his lectures go viral and then he becomes like a big star and essentially his brain explodes from all the attention and from all the flipping eyes out on him and then you know the benzo addiction all that sort of stuff goes on and he gets you know corrupted by his daughter who knows but there is something about that like making it late in life that's quite nice you know, because you get to enjoy it when you're an adult and it's not like being Justin Bieber and you're 16 and stuff, which is kind of difficult. But it also must be a bit of a trip in your head, especially if you've got like delusions of grandeur. You start to think, yeah, man, I knew I was going to be that guy. I knew it. And you start to act a little bit tyrannical and shit with people. Maybe there's something in that. Who knows? But anyway, moving on from that one and my nonsensical rants, let's talk about this clip. This is another one talking about people who mess things up. This is an iconic clip we have to flip and mention. This one is iconic. So this is taken from Biggest Bros and it features Housephone admitting to relapsing and using drugs as a reason why him and Ace Girl Cheeks are no longer together. Like, who would have guessed it? Oh no. I think everybody guessed it really to be completely fair. But again, being a fan of the pod, No Jumper specifically, these guys and where they came from, and obviously you know, being a fan of Housefront also, I can't help but feel a little bit bad for him. But there's a part for me that also thinks like, we all have those friends in it in life, right? Who are kind, or people that we know just in life, who are just eternal fuck-ups. They just can't seem to get right, even though they get given every opportunity. They've got all the skills necessary to get themselves, you know, out of the whatever situation they're in or to put themselves in a good position to do something with their life. They just seem to always find a way to kind of self-sabotage, right? Self-sabotage, sorry. And I think maybe we've all had periods in our life where we've done that. But sometimes we know people who do it consistently across their whole time you've known them. I feel like with Housephone, he's kind of unique, though. He's maybe the first person I've seen who self-sabotages, but also always happens to land on their feet. I think this is the reason why he keeps doing it, because life hasn't really taught him anything. He hasn't had any harsh life lessons where he's had to legitimately, you know, sleep in his car or he had to sell clothes to kind of pay rent. He kind of always figures it out. So I think because he always figures it out, there's no real need to really change because life kind of just works out for him. Maybe that's kind of one of the weird, it's like, a, it's like a golden handcuffs of luck because he always ends up lucking out. And I don't know if ever you guys have it, but I've never seen people like that. I can think of the first person I'm trying to think of who's kind of like that. Maybe he's dark side Phil, right? He's a terrible human being and a terrible streamer and he takes advantage of his flipping fan base or he basically takes him for granted, but he still is able to somehow land on his feet and pull in a 100k salary per year despite being a demonstrably horrible person maybe that's kind of part of it but anyway regardless this is Hyphen admitting to relapsing which caused the breakup with ace girl cheeks and just kind of bearing his soul and i like that the fact that his friends kind of pull him up on it on a few bits and pieces and kind of call him out on his bullshit here and there but i don't think it's going to change anything i have nothing else to say besides i apologize and honestly, if I didn't care, I would have, I wouldn't even answer the question or I would have danced, danced around it. Like 
it's not necessarily the easiest for me to come out here and be like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I've been being a fucking asshole and I've been relapsing on drugs and I've been having a fucking hard ass time. It's not that easy for me to just come out and say, it, bro, like, it's just like, yeah, but it's it's the truth. And it's on it. And me trying to be honest. And at the end of the day, bro, like, I wish her nothing but the best. And I appreciate everything that she's done for me. Uh, just like the sheer just love and respect and support that she's given me in a very short amount of time. Like she could have been got ghost on me very, like very a long time ago, like uh, since the beginning, really. I flaked on her the first time we were supposed to hang out. That's not like something to brag about. I'm not bragging about it, nigga. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not, yeah. what am, hey, I look like know, I'm laughing about it. I'm I want to tell you. Wanna... That's fucking awful, isn't it? Have you ever been in this position in life? Because I think like this happens on the other end. Usually as a guy, I've, I'm, I've happened, it happened to me before, especially when I was younger, when you're like under the age of flipping 21 or something. Usually when, when you're a guy that sort of age, you sometimes, unfortunately, because I think this is a real, it's a real kind of unfortunate thing because it, you, sometimes you can't get the person out of your mind or you always start thinking, man, what if, what if? But usually when you're under 21, they, there is a couple of occasions when you end up bumping into somebody that you would legitimately like to be in a relationship with. Like you bump into, like, oh my God, this person's so cool. They're so amazing. They're so hot. Whatever it is about them that you love. But then you find out, oh, they've got a boyfriend, like a long-term boyfriend they've had for a while and they're not breaking up anytime soon. But then you hear about the boyfriend, you're like, hold on, this guy sounds like an absolute loser. How did this amazing person end up with this loser? And it happens, I think, a lot when you're younger. And usually you end up kind of seeing it a lot later on in life that it's kind of a common thing also where sometimes people who are kind of decent on the outside and you feel like you probably would cherish them way more than their current situation always get ended up with terrible people and you can't figure out why like why does that person have the bad luck of crossing paths with somebody who clearly isn't great for them or isn't the best person for them at that time and you don't have the opportunity for them whereas housewives had the opposite housewives had the benefit of maybe meeting eight girl cheeks maybe a girl who he probably isn't ready for at this part of his life because he's still a bit of a party boy and doing what he's doing and she's maybe a bit more mature and i think as well the other factor of it which i think shouldn't really matter but i think it's probably a big deal and people don't talk about it too often is this i feel like if one person is sober and the other person isn't it's just not going to work out really and truly Maybe it works if like you both were not sober and then one person gets sober over time. But I think if you start the relationship with one person being, hey, I hardly drink. And to me, weed is like crack cocaine, right? That it's as bad as that. And you're a party boy. It's just not going to work out. That's just not a good balance, especially if you add into it. I think they may be the same age. I'm not too sure. It's go cheeks and house phone. But even if they are the same age, she's way more mature than him she's clearly somebody who's maybe got her head screwed on a little bit more maybe he's had a few more real life not real life experience just a bit more mature in life so it's difficult to kind of make it work if you're coming from the point of view of the guy who's you know on instagram live talking to random harlots you know um doing whippets and stuff drinking lean doing coke and all that stuff it's difficult for a girl who's kind of figuring it out and on her way to kind of making something of her life to put up with that sort of stuff but i think fundamentally for people out there who are millennials or gen z i think that should be a far more pressing question when you come to dating you should be maybe telling people asking people especially if you're sober hey do you do drugs do you drink 
that should be one something that's high on your list of like requirements and be like hey i can't be with somebody who drinks and does drugs because you know lifestyle wise and you know just your yeah, lifestyle wise i think goals and just personality it's just not going to blend it's just not going to work out i don't think so you can't be having one person not involved in that lifestyle another person in it's just not going to work long term that's just what i think anyway I'll tell you something too bro i really fuck with you like really opening up and just be pause yeah, but, but some, like but just some, being honest no no real talk just being honest with yourself and being honest with us and everybody else like yo I fucked up and this is but what that it shit, is. But I really that, fuck with that. This but that shit, that shit be getting thrown back in your face sometimes and it kind of is like discouraging to keep being like yeah. fully open like that. And I'm just trying, I'm trying to learn the balance because I'm like, I don't want to say. It's not easy. There's I don't no, want to say too no much. There's no handbook for it. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too little. Yeah. I don't want to not say nothing at all. Like I'm not mm-hmm. the type of person that's not going to say nothing at all yeah. ever. But also it. I, I want to say this as well with like a piggybacking off what like Pollard said where, uh, I feel like house phone, you know, some people might bad in the too. comment section might be like, oh, house phone, you know, they'll be upset at you for your yeah. decision making, all that stuff. Right. And it's like, yeah, you, you haven't made the best decisions. But I have yeah. to say that out of a lot of people I know in my life, house phone can make bad decisions and then tell you to your face, dude, I fucked up. I'm sorry, bro. You know what I mean? And it doesn't take a long time. There's so many people that I know. Even Am I am I OK in saying that? Am I okay in saying that that's also a bit of manipulation when people continually fuck up, but then they're also super apologetic, like my bad, man. Oh, my messed up. Oh, man. I don't know how I could have done that, man, man, man. Don't you think so? That's like a form of like, what do you think? That's a form of manipulation in a way, kind of. And it's kind of a way to sort of absolve yourself of blame or to move the conversation on because the actual conversation that needs to be had is why do you keep fucking up why is it habitual why is it cons- why is it a consistent thing that you keep doing where you always seem to get in a position where you seem to fuck it up because house phone to be fair to him again i like the guy i love the guy i think he's really really fun on stream and clearly brings a lot to these platforms and stuff and i've kind of seen him grow up on live stream kind of in real time or on sorry on video on youtube and stuff content wise in real time so he seems like a real cool dude a real cool dude but let's be fair he nearly got fired from no jumper not because of drama but because of his unprofessionalism and his inability to basically turn up on time or turn up at all or even give people a heads up if he's not showing up to work and at no jumper they just sat around on couches smoking free weed sometimes getting free food talking about stuff that they saw on the internet a pretty decent and easy job and at that time they were kind of friends so they got to sit around smoke weed eat free food and talk about stuff on the internet with their friends and get paid for it and he nearly got fired from that job he nearly got fired through that job. That's pretty crazy. That goes to show you how unreliable he is in general and how this situation that he's in, where he kind of had to break up with his girlfriend um, because of his lifestyle and stuff, is not like a, it's not like a, um, this isn't like a one-off thing. This is something that is some that you would say is a is a as a is a result of a pattern of you know events and actions he's done in the past. And I think the way Blasi is sitting there looking off to the side is a real kind of evidence of like yeah he's heard this all before. And I think even if you read the comments, there's many people in the comments. I think even I may I may have left on also saying the same thing that like they've heard this all before from him. Um, 
Dude, yeah, say, look, look at this guy here saying in the comments. Dude is a hoe. It's confirmed. Take your, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say that. Another one, this person saying, dude is a fucking loser. He had a chick who was okay with, um, and defended him sleeping with a T and he choosing pills and coke over her. Once a loser, always a loser. Uh, fumbled the cakes. Blasi's the homie you need to listen to, appreciate his honesty and tells it like it is. Bro is G-A-Y. He admitted drugs, made him G-A-Y. And now that he's relapsed, Cheeks knows he's G-A-Y again. So they're being pretty brutal. Man child. Man shit happens, but little homie fucking up cause Illa was special. He better get her back. When he see her with another nigga, he's going to, he's going to track Hawk and he's going to be crying. God bless Mr. Phone. And it's kind of cool to see that online, right? To see fans not, maybe because it's the fan base they have. I thought a lot of the fans will be kind of like um fresh and fit type of guys. Like, fuck her. You don't need her. Men can do it on their own. You don't need anybody to hold you down. You can be free. It's good that they're kind of calling him out and saying, nah, you had a good girl there. She seemed pretty nice. And you messed it up because you chose Coke's, <laughs> Coke and pills over her, which is pretty brutal. Um, But also... I'm for freedom of choice. I'm for freedom of choice. I'm for freedom of speech. Obviously not freedom of consequences. I think people should choose what they want. If he legitimately wants to choose the party lifestyle over having a stable girlfriend, that's all fair and good. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a hilariously terrible decision to make given the circumstances that he's in. Um, but yeah, let's continue one more minute and I'll switch. Even closer than They'll die on that hill, and they're right. so ready to die on a hill that's like the dumbest hill ever. And like, and you're, and to me as a person, you're like, I've been disrespected. I haven't been, you know, haven't been like listened to. I haven't been understood. I'm not gonna flake on this shit. It's like if they want to be like that, they could be like that. Yeah. You're the type of person to be like, hey man, I fucked up an hour ago. I'm really sorry about that. I don't that. think that with the escape room shit. You called us like two hours later, and like yeah, I, I kind of knew did. this was gonna happen. I, I expected you to be like, hey man, sorry, I was tripping, whatever it is. And like yeah. that's one part I appreciate about you where. I can be hella hard-headed. Like, you're saying I'm very stubborn with my arguments and but shit. I, I am, but and I can moment, be like, I am too, though. I can be like that with Riley, too, where, like, I can, you know, nod back down on my argument, even though, like, halfway through the argument, I realize I'm wrong. Yeah. And then it will take me a whole yeah. day to be like... No, you're, you're just fucking dumb as fuck. Legitimately double-digit IQ. You're not hard-headed. You're just dumb. Hey, I fucked up yesterday. Sorry. You know, and, like, and, and I'm not going to lie. I get like that, too, and I get really defensive sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Like, y'all see how... Y'all see the way... She's coming on stream and giving these like drop mic speeches. Like, nigga, she's doing that to me about how I'm a fucking asshole. In real life. Like, I'm life. like, nigga, I'm in the corner. Like, damn, like, I, I need to get, like, you feel me? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's almost like a thing where it's like, I'm not even mad. Like, I'm disappointed. But then, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that, that hurts more, so bro. I, I think that, like, it's not a conversation of, do you love her? Obviously, she loves you, but I think nice. what she's more torn apart is like at the end of the day, it's all about loyalty and respect. I and, definitely, but you gotta understand that like respect all comes down to like the truth, right? And yeah. like honesty. I and, definitely like, was like 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 dancing around the truth, like yeah. trying trying to avoid telling the truth. And you gotta you gotta put yourself in her shoes, like you feel me? Like Listen, I wouldn't. Oh my god, that's one. But that's one thing. I'm not into that shit, bro. That's one thing that. She always gets me when she's like, all she does is flip the scenario if it was her and me. And like, I'm just like, bro, no, I would fucking literally lose my mind. bro. That's the, so that's like, a, we were talking about that last time. That's the number I one think thing the only you. way you're going to you're going to get her, bro, is if you get sober and, just and you have shit together, bro. You had to make that decision. Do you love her or do you love this shit a little bit more? And I'm not. But like, 
Who's it's gonna getting... be there for you more? No, nope. bro. If 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 I told you the details, you'll be so like, bro, you're fucking stupid, bro. Like, I'm gonna tell you off camera, but I was just. Being I don't think stupid. I want to know, man. It's, it's not that bad, but I'm saying just <laughs> just I'm gonna tell you off camera. It's not you know that bad, but I'm I just... fuck with Illa. You know, I met her. And... <laughs> the fact that Blasi is saying I don't want to know that's how you know it's bad when your friends don't actually want to know how you messed it up that shows you because he doesn't want to hear it he doesn't want to hear it he really doesn't want to hear it just in case just in case it makes him look at his friend in a bad way again I think that's actually a better way to kind of go about it but that's the actual question he used to ask himself I think many people used to ask themselves out there do you love the lifestyle more than you love your partner? And sometimes you maybe do. I think the same way that Tom Brady decided to choose football over his family, some guys and girls out there are like, you know what? I enjoy this city girl, city boy lifestyle more than I do enjoy being at home looking after my, or being with my partner or being with my pets or being with my children. And it's a kind of crazy thing to say and admit out loud, but sometimes some people do like those things more it should be okay to just say that in my opinion it's crazy to say but it should be okay to say it because it's your truth but hey what do i know what do i know moving on from that one let's talk about this i quickly want to mention this because i feel like people should know this i've been absolutely banging out rinsing listening from the top to the bottom daniel caesar's new album never enough and i want to recommend it to all my listeners of the action zinger show to please check out daniel caesar's never enough if you're a fan of r&b or if you're just curious to listen to this type of music and you want an introduction into it that isn't too crazy definitely check out daniel caesar and i've always been a fan of the guy ever ever since um what's, what's that first album was it freudlin free freudrin how you pronounce it what's it called um Freudian, that came out in like oh 2017 a while ago in between that he had another album that i don't think really landed that well for me i kind of didn't really pay much attention to it but never enough is definitely 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 one of the better rb albums i've heard in a while and why it's really good is that I feel like I've missed the kind of sense I've missed um hearing traditional R&B in the way of like just a really good singer singing about really soppy emotional shit and not trying to sugarcoat stuff like because I feel like nowadays this new form of R&B is kind of all whispery things it's like girls whispering in that kind of in that kind of faux Jenny Aiko voice it's guys doing the whole like trap soul type of stuff like Bryson Tiller type of vibe and there's less people out there just actually singing into a microphone on top of some really um you know amazing beats and just kind of laying it down and laying it bare and I feel like this album does it in a really good way there's a mix there's some good kind of party bop tunes in there but for the most part it's just great traditional r&b that you can listen to from the front to the back and it tells a really really good story um i think the tunes that kind of stuck out to me um that i kind of like that i kind of want to feature is definitely track number four let me go it's definitely one of my favorites on the album a track always is definitely one of my favorites also but one of my favorites on there and one of the things that I'm going to be controversial in saying is this track called Homosexual. The track of it, the, the track title of it alone is absolutely hilarious. The term homosexual, I think is absolutely funny. And I think I would be probably one of the only people out there, Daniel Caesar fans and fans of this track will say, I personally don't think Ty Dolla Sign was needed. 
he kind of sings the second half of the song and or the second verse but i don't think he was needed i would have much preferred just hearing daniel caesar kind of go through that song and absolutely destroy it from front to back i don't really i don't know I think Ty Dolla Sign works on particular sounds and I still think he's immensely talented and I do like some of his tunes. He hasn't, he hasn't been able to kind of put it together in terms of a real coherent album just yet. I think his mixtapes usually are better than his albums, but still I think he was just not a necessary addition. I don't think he was needed on there and I would have made a brutal executive decision of just maybe taking him off the track. But this song, Homosexual, is really, really good. So if you haven't checked it out already, please do check out Daniel Caesar's um, Never Enough. It's out now on most DSPs. So definitely give it a go. Definitely give it a go. Next on this to talk about is this, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. This is courtesy of DJ Academics' Instagram account. I wanted this to kind of happen before like a long long time ago but for some reason it just never happened and it looks like ever since academics got stomped out in that um gym somewhere in america or miami wherever he was he's now suddenly 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 turned around and decided to kind of embrace his latino side and kind of just go over there and do loads of cool charitable stuff and you know and by the looks of it according to g academics he's now doing songs with up-and-coming artists and whatnot and i'm just wondering why didn't academics do this beforehand why didn't after everything that happened with him and tripping treyway he decided to come out of that courtroom um and you know after snitching on everybody and decided you know what, i'm going to change and i'm going to turn things around by just kind of doing my reggaeton shit because i feel like he can do this really well and smash it and because it's a different language a different culture different countries no one's really going to care about all the baggage that comes with him when it comes to all that stuff that he did in terms of snitching and antagonizing people and trolling no one would care and he could essentially start from a start start anew and start from scratch so this is a clip taken from dj academics instagram account it says six nine got angel dior on a song wapper um he one of the hottest dembo artists in dominican republic right now so he's doing dembo at the moment which is flipping courtesy so let's play this clip of him um with this artist called angel dior even i as a non-fluent spanish speaker i can tell i can um takashi 69 has a really funny accent when he speaks spanish because I guess he, he kind of speaks it in like a really hot, like he's got a real English accent when he's speaking Spanish. Like it's so aggressive. Or maybe because he's translating it literally in his head from English to Spanish. Or maybe because he just doesn't speak it too or tough. His Spanish sounds a little bit more rough and crass compared to everybody else. But this is pretty cool. Look, he's smiling. He's chilling with these guys, handing this guy a chain, letting him wear it. He looks genuinely happy when he's around these people. And way more at ease because he knows no one there is going to want to stomp him out or blast his head off. Another clip. That's cool, man. I like it. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I don't want to get a flipping copyright strike, but he's definitely looking like he's having fun, having a good time and doing what needs to be done. And it's funny. Maybe 
maybe he literally got the beats break off of him broke beats broke off him whatever happened to people say on the internet i can't even say it, my mouth is flipping going all gammy but maybe that actually did um humble him somewhat finally and he's now in a place where he um can be kind of maybe revive his career and kind of just live a somewhat normal life because he kind of got given a second chance in life which I don't think he deserved personally because I still think the guy's a flipping scumbag, especially for the flipping, that thing that happened. Who's, who's that kid? I forgot the name. I think it might be Kuda B. That was a one snitching thing that really kind of threw me off. I was like, because the story goes, he got one of the guys from Treyway called Kuda B and he paid him money to put, he paid him money to basically go and kill um, Chief Keith. So he put here on Chief Keith, gave Kuda B the money and said, hey, go kill this guy. And I guess Kuda B didn't do it well. Um, and, <laughs> and then, um, when the kid gets arrested, um, and they all get arrested, sorry, on that Rico, he ends up snitching on the guy and that guy goes to prison and he comes out. Like the American justice system is messed up. How can you put a hit on somebody, but then you snitch and you come out before the person you, put? I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. So I thought that was egregious to say the least, but anyway, that's gone now. Here's another clip as well on DJ Academics account showing six, nine in a hood in DR. As you can't see, this is in DR, surrounded by loads of the Dominican Republic goons. <coughs> I love Dominican Republic guys because they're the kind of guys like, um, you're so no, what's it, what they say? Uh, you're so no black, not so black, not so black. But then you look at them all in the flipping face, guys, you're black. I love Dominican Republic guys, like the way they kind of look at themselves in terms of the way they identify themselves is really interesting. They don't see themselves as black at all. They just see themselves primarily as Dominican Republic, um, or as, as Dominican, sorry. They don't see themselves as black at all in the slightest, even though some of them over there are blacker than me, which is absolutely hilarious. But anyway, Six Nine surrounded by those goons, having a good time. They don't look like they're having the greatest time, but he's got all his jewels on. He's feeling comfortable, and clearly they're filming a video there, and it's probably going to go off. Okay, you see that, but yeah, big up him. Um, hopefully he chills out and does his thing, and it all basically goes amazing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Shades cow, do they fade, mate? The fades. No, I hope you talk about haircuts. I'm gonna say the best haircuts I've ever received in my life. Two heck, two two countries. Num oh yeah, no, yeah, two countries. The best haircuts I've received in my life was when I went to Barcelona to run the Barcelona half marathon. I think it might be like 2017, 2018 time. Um, for some, I guess in Barcelona, for the most part, I think most of the immigrants is out in Barcelona. I think all the bodegas and off licenses and places that you go buy drinks from, they're usually owned by Chinese people or Indian people. I saw, but then all the barbers that you go and get haircuts from, like because in the UK, most of the places that you get haircuts from, if you want to get like a a good fade, um, they obviously you've got African shops that do good haircuts and Caribbeans, but sometimes the other ones who are really kind of really good and can cut Afro hair are Turkish people. But in Barcelona, it's all Dominicans. So Dominicans have got that barbershop game on lock. And I walked into a random Dominican place whilst I was, before I was going to go for my run on the Sunday in, in Barcelona. And that's where I got one of the best fades I've ever got in my entire life. Legit. It took like two hours to do. And the guy was kind of jumping on his phone every two minutes and dancing and drinking and shit. But by the end, when I left, 
that haircut was incredible. Like Dominicans, they know how to cut hair. Them, them motherfuckers, them niggas, they don't think they are, but them niggas, they can flip and cut hair. The second place where I went where I got the best fade in my life was Mexico. Mexico City, to be precise. Mexico City, I went there, I forgot what year, maybe, 20, maybe 2019 or something. And legitimately, that might have been number one fade I've ever got in my life. Like to the point where he faded the sides of my beard and shit. Like it was HD, H fucking D. One of the best haircuts I've ever, ever got. So I think about those guys often because the haircuts I'm getting now in the hood with these flipping Ghanaian uncles and shit is not good. And I'm paying like £30 for my haircuts now because the price, inflation in it. I used to pay like 20 quid. Now it's gone up to fucking £30 and the haircuts aren't good. It's like half an hour. He's just using one flipping razor clip and shit. It feels like he's punching your head when he's cutting your hair. But you just have to make do with it because it's the only ones that you have available. It's really, really crazy. But man, I miss that heck, the barbers in flipping Barcelona, Dominican guys. And I miss my guys over in Mexico City, man. I miss them so much. What we were saying here in the chat? Afro-Latinas. Yes, exactly. Uche knows. Afro-Latinas. That's what they refer themselves to. Yeah. Yo soy Afro-Latina. Latina. Uh, CDMX is fire. Nasheski said, "Yeah, I dated an Irish dude, and he was obsessed with this Dominican barber he found in Bushwick. They they loved him in there. Yeah, of course. See, I told you honestly. Once you find those guys, legit. If I found a Dominican barber in London, I'm traveling two hours. I don't care where he lives. I'm coming to your house. I'm telling you, hey, forget about hanging out with your kid. I need a haircut. I am legitimately, legitimately traveling to you." I love that so much, man. I used to actually do it quite often when I used to go away. I used to kind of always jump on it because I think I'm actually doing it when I go to Berlin because I think for some reason now there's been a huge, huge surge in good people cutting good haircuts over there too. So I may have to try that also, but let's see what I'm going. Um, moving on from that one. Moving on from this. Um, let's talk about this quickly. So this is news I want to quickly cover because I thought this was kind of interesting. So I'm not just sure some of you guys know, but this player called um Akraf Hakimi he's a star player over at PSG one of the highest earners over there and just a really good player big star and um, plays at right back and just phenomenal at football overall he's been accused of rape by this young lady she accused him of rape right and in the process of that he's now basically getting divorced from his long-term wife and this news has kind of gone viral and it's really interesting the way the internet kind of spins stories so this story has gone viral that says the following PSG star Afra, um, um, Ashram, Af, sorry, Ashraf Akimi, wife filed for divorce and wanted more than half of the Moroccan footballer's property and fortune. When they arrived in court, they realized that Akram Hakimi had nothing. Akram Hakimi had put his entire fortune under his mother's name a long time ago. So if you're not familiar with him, whenever Hakimi is playing, especially from Morocco, he's always kind of pictured in the crowd, basically kissing his mum. Um, and you know everyone kind of calls him basically like a probably his mother's boy but the funny thing about this story that everyone's basically saying because i think they're all kind of saying on the internet uh the wife tried to basically pull money from him and that's why she got what she deserved because now there's no money in his name that she can take in a divorce settlement but the actual real story here the real story here isn't the fact that he got keep you know he he was able to kind of you know be smart and look ahead of time and be able to be in a position where he can maybe put the money in his mum's name. The real issue here is that the reason why his wife is divorcing him in the first place is because he cheated on her. 
like, and it was even more egregious than that. It was more so because if I'm reading the story correctly, um, she, she went away with the kids and he brought back some random slows back home and ended up, you know, whatever situation ended up transpiring there in the home, whether it's consensual or not consensual. <laughs> but everyone is still basically saying it's a win, even though he's the one in the wrong. And now he's being charged or being accused of raping that young lady. But people are kind of just viewing it in the idea of like, oh, finally, there's one guy at least who hasn't had to kind of give up half of his fortune in the divorce just because he's the only one that ends up kind of winning or he, he happens to be the one that's making the most money. I don't really understand how people kind of have that kind of opinion, to be fair, because most, more than likely as well, because again, we don't know. It's alleged, right? It's, he's been accused of rape, but he hasn't been kind of charged in a court of law. But one thing that we do know, more than likely, even if he did do it, he'll probably get away with it because he's a professional footballer, because he's somebody, you know, of some level of fame. He's got money and stuff. These things rarely stick when it comes to these big high profile footballers. So even if he did do it, he's going to be able to get away with it. And his wife, who basically did the noble and honorable thing of breaking up with the guy who's been accused of rape, it's probably going to be left short, you know, um, short from it. And it's going to have to kind of, you know, restart her life, um, you know, off her own back and stuff and whatnot and get nothing from it. That's the kind of weird thing about this whole situation. But it is kind of a weird one to see. The internet has decided that he's the hero and she's going to kind of have to kind of figure it out. But maybe it's a just um, situation because I guess in most of these situations, women usually get the benefit of the doubt. And maybe people are kind of siding with that thing. But I still think it's a bit scummy in my opinion from it moving on from that i want to quickly highlight this i'm sure some of you guys have checked it out i hope you have and if you haven't please do this amazing amazing documentary courtesy of Traplor ross which is king vaughn rap's first serial killer it's doing crazy amounts of views it's, cr it's creating a much a bunch of conversation and controversy within hip-hop media and the community at large but it was a really well put together flipping documentary it's uh, i think the original cut was closer to four hours now i think with some edits it's, it's about three hours and a half but it's still a really insightful documentary that basically details and kind of pieces together King Vaughn's life before he passed away. And essentially, Trapolo Ross, who's a kind of hip-hop documentarian, um, he basically put this documentary together that is maybe alleging that King Vaughn maybe have, he's maybe some way responsible for, uh, for more than 10 bodies. He may have personally killed more than 10 people during his very short time on this earth and especially during his time rapping, which is pretty nuts. I think most people that kind of were fans of his music, myself included, knew that he was really about this life and clearly kind of lived his raps. Um, and it also wasn't all just like a work of fiction. But I don't think most of us kind of had in our heads that he had 10. I think at the last time of me checking when I was kind of locked in on his music, I think I kind of had in my head that maybe five, you know, people that he may have had on his jacket. But now Traplo Ross is basically alleging he may have more than 10 on there. But for some reason, this has created some big controversy within the kind of community and hip hop and people in Chicago are really upset and basically saying that Traplo Ross is basically adding to the troubles and to the beef that's going on there by highlighting all the people that King Vaughn may have killed before he was killed and essentially saying that Traplo Ross may be responsible for people seeking revenge and retaliation because of what they may have learned on the documentary but I still think in my opinion as maybe somewhat tasteless as some of these channels can be on YouTube because there's a bunch of them where these YouTube channels that basically highlight and somewhat promote and glorify all of the kids out there who are spinning on their ops and, you know, essentially doing what they're doing in their raps and whatnot, even though that some stuff can be really tasteless, I think at the core of it, 
the only way to stop all of this stuff from happening is to get the rappers themselves to stop killing each other that's the main part of it to get these guys to you know to get them out of gangs to maybe improve their situations wherever they live in their local area maybe to kind of you know push the politicians to invest more in resources and things that kids can do so they don't have to resort to joining gangs for protection or picking up a gun and stuff those are the things that need to be done i feel like um first to kind of get things back to some semblance of normality before you start blaming before you start blaming people online who are essentially reporting on stuff that said because the Traplon Ross documentary, for the most part, all of the stuff that he's been able to pull has been from King Vaughan's own Twitter account because there's been periods of time where he's been tweeting about, you know, killings before they've even made it on the news. So clearly he's had some information he's linked to or something. So it's even that brazen or his raps or his Instagram lives and stuff. But it's all stuff that he's said himself. And now people associated with King Vaughan or associated with O-Block or associated with Little Dirk or whatever it may be are now upset that YouTubers are basically piecing it together and putting it into documentaries, getting views from it, making money from it or promoting it or basically highlighting to his ops what he actually may have done. But all that information is already out there already. So putting that, put that blame on these journalists is unfair. I think they may contribute some part to it, but I think putting all the information or blame on them is really unfair. I think the blame needs to be kind of equally partitioned out to all parties in terms of what they do, in terms of how they're affecting people's lives overall. But I think to blame precisely Trap Ross is unfair. But that aside, doc, hip, YouTube documentary-wise, it's phenomenal. Um, the amount of work that went into it is crazy. Um, really really well done documentary loads of p bits and pieces that i kind of forgot about along the way because again like i said i was a huge king vaughan fan when he was around and he kind of you know he was kind of gone too soon and kind of didn't get a chance to really um fulfill his potential um welcome to o block is still an absolute slapper as well so check that out if you need a good album to smash on on the gym while you're lifting weights it's a real big one i really enjoyed that one but in general it's a really well put together documentary and i really recommend you check it out if you haven't already and even if you don't know much about king vaughan i think traplo ross is a really good um you know he's able to kind of present that sh that stuff really well so even if you're not a fan of the music or you don't know nothing about king vaughan he's definitely gonna um, make you interested and kind of keep you locked in documentary title is king vaughan rap's first serial killer if you want to check it out check it out it's available on youtube and it's doing bits already numbers on there and people are absolutely loving it so please check it out if you haven't already please check out if you haven't already next on the list here quickly want to mention is this um this is courtesy of ra it's regarding london's body movement festival which is definitely one of the better festivals that we have here in london and they've now announced some stage hosts for 2023 so it says as follows east london body movement festival has announced stage hosts for its 2023 edition going down on saturday july 29th the queer focused all dayer will take over 16 industrial spaces including three new ones in hackney wick more than 20 lgbtq plus collectors will host stages um, such as budokai queer brook chapter 10 rap party t4t love energy um, jungle kitty femme fresh fresh if you say that word queer house party and t boys club um this year's official charity partner is london trans pride with one pound donation from each ticket sale going towards funding their work um here's a charity fundraising initiative the full list of stage shows is available below um the artist lineup is still tba so obviously you got it there body movement festival happening in 24th of july so i'm definitely eager to check that out as well but a part of me is also wondering 
they're now kind of expanding the stage shows they're putting it in different places new spaces and whatnot it's going to be a real big affair i'm wondering overall right i'm really 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 wondering what happens when this ends up going critical mass what happens when all the normies end up going there because i've said it before but in london especially i'm not sure what it is like in out in the uk but in london all the best parties in london the ones that you have the best fun in and you have the greatest time and you flip and sweat your face off are the queer lgbtq plus nights those are the best parties for the most part all the other parties where they book the same old you know top 50 mix mag djs and the baked business techno guys and all the baked tiktok techno guys and gals they're all a bit boring these guys put on the best parties but obviously these parties aren't really made for me right they're not made for you know hetero cisgendered guys like me they make them for their people from their community to kind of create a, a quasi safe space for them to kind of dance and kind of have fun at but over time people like myself get attracted to those parties we want to go we want to hang out want to have fun and we maybe water it down a bit and we maybe just ruin the vibe overall over time. So I'm wondering how are they going to be able to kind of keep the vibe and that special, the specialness they have about that space kind of intact, despite getting bigger. And obviously, you know, you'd imagine, you know, more regular people kind of turning up there. Like, how do you make that happen? I'm not too sure, to be honest, but big up them regardless. Um, hopefully they work it out and I can't wait anyway because I'm going to be there 29th of July. Definitely going to be skanking around there because it's definitely somewhere that I can go and have fun, let my head down and not take myself too seriously. We've been seeing in the chat here. said, Ago, are you going to Deck Mantle this year? No, no Deck Mantle para me. I think the only festival that I'm going to be trying to do is Houghton, which I ended up not doing last year. So if I'm going to do a festival, it'll probably be Houghton. Deck Mantle might be a bit of a stretch for me this year, um, mostly because I haven't been just yet. Um, it's abroad. I'm probably going to be doing loads of mini trips again all over the place. So it might be a bit of a stretch to go to, but I would like to go one day. But I think the only trip that I will do or festival, sorry, I will do like in terms of staying somewhere for a prolonged period of time is definitely Houghton, which is definitely taking place in the UK. So easy to transport to and whatnot. But I definitely need to go because I kind of pushed it out of it last year. I made excuses. So I want to follow through and do Houghton this year. But Dick Mantle for sure, I'll be trying to do sometime in the future. And talking about Dick Mantle, funny you bring that up. This news is interesting, right? This news. Um, this news courtesy of RA. Deck Mantle partners with Hor. Um, or I pronounce it Hore, Hore. How do how do you pronounce that word? I think it's Hor. It should be Hor, right? Do have I do do I pronounce it right? Let's see what this says here. Um I'm sure that's how you pronounce it. You pronounce it Hore, right? German to English. Let's see what it says here on Google. German to English. It should be Hore. Okay, cool. My bad. Let's do let's just translate. Let's get rid of let's get rid of the word German. Let's just do this. It's called here. Okay, how you pronounce it? Hor. Hor. Okay. Hor. Hor. Okay. Hor. 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 Anyway, this is a really good, interesting article because this kind of confirms what I kind of spoke about before and maybe some rumors I heard about uh, prior. So it says Deckmantle partners with Hor which means that the rumor that was kind of spreading within the dance music scene that 
um, boiler room has some sort of falling out with Dick Mantle is somewhat true and that they wouldn't be returning again, um, you know, 2023 onwards because I think the last event that they did with them was 2020. And that, that was a big deal because I feel like boiler room did a really good job of kind of promoting Dick Mantle to the masses, especially someone like myself. I'm not too sure if I would have heard of Dick Mantle if it wasn't for boiler room streams of it and i think a lot of artists also a lot of djs definitely got a bump in their bookings from having their live stream featured on boiler room that they were playing at deck mantle so it kind of worked hand in hand you know deck mantle got to jump onto the live stream thing by using by you kind of using kind of you know um boiler room's name and notoriety in the scene and then boiler room obviously got to legitimize himself by having a very long established and respected festival also kind of trust them to do the live stream but something changed along the way I think just to be sensible and not to kind of, you know, um, pontificate about nonsense, most likely what happened is that because Boy Room got bought by Dice, you would assume they had different ideas and prerogatives that they wanted and maybe Deck Mantle didn't fit into that and maybe they want to, you know, partner up with another festival or maybe they just don't want to do the whole festival live stream thing anymore. Who knows? But I have a feeling most likely because Dice bought Boiler Room, they probably decided, hey, we want to go a different direction. Or it could be, that the boiler room guys legitimately did have a falling out with Dick Mantle. But regardless, this is a big look for horror for them. This is a really big look because they're essentially a really small kind of platform, live streaming platform, but they've kind of grown exponentially in the last few years. And when they started, they were mostly just a platform that kind of promoted people from Berlin or within surrounding areas. And they kind of were the kind of de facto European sort of boiler room platform, but with a little bit more of an authentic, I think, grassroots sort of like feel to them. They didn't they haven't felt like they've sold out as quickly as Boiler Room. Did. I feel like Boiler Room, as soon as the money from Ray Band started coming in, they went straight to the whole like vice route of selling out as quickly as possible, getting as soon as many sponsors as possible and brand deals as possible instead of maybe kind of keeping a little bit core so this basically is a really good look for horror and where they are in the culture now that Dick Mantle will kind of want to align with them and maybe it kind of speaks to you know their kind of longevity now in the industry because you imagine this is going to probably be a multi-year kind of deal that they kind of sign especially if it ends up kind of popping up and going well and I'm also curious as well if this is going to be something that may spurn them to do their own festival, they may end up sometime in the future deciding, hey, Horror needs their own festival too. Anyway, this is the article courtesy of RA. It says, Amsterdam Festival Deck Mantle has revealed details of a new stage in collaboration with Berlin streaming platform Horror. Launching in August, Radar will replace the Boiler Room stage. See, that's a new one. Um, which which is part of the festival since 2013 jesus christ so the new stage is going to be radar all sets from radar will be live streamed on horror the festival also revealed new acts including luke slater oh, that's amazing interplanetary criminal wow knife um olaf derger shanti celeste peach gabriel Quartang was a amazing isabella um will go back to back all of these artists will play at the radar stage alongside the likes of dj stingray avalon emerson paris smith um live wu-tang and were announced back in january Hall recently launched a pop-up studio in london and it will run throughout april but that is pretty sick man pretty pretty sick lineup of people there really eager to see some of that what date is that going to be on that's in august august date for deck mantle coming up Ticket prices are pretty pricey as well. If I'm going to just double check here, courtesy of RA and see what they're saying. I know you can't actually buy tickets, so you have to check somewhere else. But look at the list of people. Absolutely crazy good list of people playing. Let's actually just double check and see. Um, where, where can you get it? Where's the ticket link from there? It's not here. No ticket links there. 
you can't get them there. I want to just see how much they're charging. I think it's like a hundred euros, no? Let's see. Deck mantle. Is it a hundred euros? Let's see. Pro tickets. Are they even available just yet? Or are the tickets not available? I think it should be. If it's, if it's, if it's in August, it should, already, it should already be tickets already listed if it's happening in August for sure. Let's just double check the website and see if it's going to be on there. You got here. Okay, you got tickets there. What is it saying? Oh, it's still going to shop. Okay, shop. Let's see how much they're going to be. I'm going to say something like 100 euros. It'll make more sense. But I think the reason Deck Mantle is a bit misty for me is that if I'm not mistaken, Deck Mantle take place, it's not really in Amsterdam. It's that like kind of outside, if I'm not mistaken. So you kind of have to get a com, and also you got to sleep on the grounds or get a combination near and then cycle back and forth and walk. It's a bit long from what I've heard. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not right, but okay. So three day festival passes have sold out. They've only got four day ones and they're 225, which is not bad. That's quite a good deal. This is what I mean about when I saw Skankfest during my flipping random show live stream, I was really getting flipping and you know, I was shocked at how much Skankfest tickets were in Las Vegas. Skankfest tickets to go see crazy, you know, to go, to go see basically somewhat unknown comics. They're not unknown for the most part, but for the most part, most guys only listen to flipping LA stuff and all the big guys. A lot of those guys on Skankfest, I don't really know too well. So to go pay $400 plus to go see them do, you know, stand up and whatnot and listen to their live podcast is a bit much, especially when you think about what you get from these festivals here in Europe. You get, you know, for 225 for festival day ticket to go and see, you know, hundreds of DJs play across four days on different stages in one of the best cities in the world in Amsterdam. It just feels a little bit like a tight one to go and, you know, to go. It, it just feels a little bit hard to justify $400 to go see flipping um, comedians in Las Vegas for me personally. But I remember somebody saying in my chat, actually, that um, Las Vegas is like that anyway, day to day. It's kind of expensive. I think someone said in my chat that allegedly like to go see a comedy show in Las Vegas, just a regular one, is something like $150 or something per ticket just because it's Las Vegas. So I guess Las Vegas is kind of maybe like Dubai where because of the location, it's just more expensive. It doesn't mean it's actually, um the you know, the value of the whatever you're getting. But yeah, um the ticket prices look pretty decent. I'm not going to lie. Pretty good festival. But like I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do Okay, um, okay, Louis Shy just telling me in the chat. No, it's pretty close to Amsterdam Central. Okay, cool. Maybe I haven't done my research. I haven't done many research into it, so I might need to check it out. But let's see if I'm able to do two in one year like that. Houghton and and flipping deck mounted, that'd be pretty decent. But knowing me and knowing the amount of trips I go to, especially with the flipping, you know, I'm, I'm basically in Berlin like once per month, so that already kind of you know eviscerates my funds. But if I'm able to flip and do two in a year and do deck mantle and do Houghton that's going to be pretty sick so maybe i might look into that actually because that's looking kind of meaty and for 225 that might be something worth to kind of check out next i want to quickly highlight is this news courtesy of mixmag unfortunate news for this individual felix hall felix hall steps down from nts and removed from lineups after sending death threats and anti-palestinian abuse <laughs> this guy was definitely off the shits randomly one day so it says the following felix hall has stepped down from his regular slot at NTS and has been removed from the club, um, from club and festival lineups after multiple DJs spoke out about abusive experiences with the London-based DJ and radio host, including sending him death threats and anti-Palestinian hate speech. <laughs> How do you get into that just randomly? You're just at home one day and you just start sending people random shit. 
Um, anyway, it continues. On April 11th, New York-based artist um, Rainstick, real name Anthony Lowe, posted a statement on Instagram saying that Hall had sent completely unprovoked violent Zionist messages including vile death threats against my family. Let's see these messages. I want to see these death threats against my family. This is pretty hilarious. God almighty, what was he doing? He was probably off the shits, probably in the cat dive. You know, you know, we've all been there, I think, in some manner or way. But this is a statement from him. He says, Friday, April 7th, DJ and label owner Felix Hall, Chrome Records, sent me a completely unprovoked, violent Zionist message, including vile death threats against my family. I did not respond or open the messages. He then blocked me. That's a bit of a lie, though, isn't it? How could you see the messages but not respond to them? Mm, anyway completely and move upon sharing screenshots with multiple friends in a music so he saw okay music community i learned that he also menaced at least two other people a female musician of color with zionist messages that this may be a pattern of anti-palestinian behavior why is it important that she's a female of color by the way if he doesn't matter who he sends them to they're pretty bad isn't it but anyway let's just continue I have no personal history with Felix and neither did the other musicians he attacked as far as I know. Our common thread was that either supporting Palestine or being Palestinian. My partner is Palestinian, hence the family death threats. I also have heard from musicians who believe Felix stopped speaking to them because of their support of Palestine. <laughs> oh, this guy is crazy. Look at Claire Peepee trying to jump on, get some clout points there. Get, get out of here, man anyway i did not wish um to deal with this publicly but i must inform these in my community with him uh, or for for their own safety felix's own statement about his attacks hides the truth it does not explicitly address or condemn the extreme violence and bigotry he has expressed <coughs> he only commits to healing his mental health and alcoholism is manipulative and places himself as a victim next page he urges communication but turned off comments on his posts as soon as community members began engaging his repeated um, actions show he is trying to hide the truth of his behaviors weaponizing mental health is this this um disingenuous felix is taking advantage of this drumming up sympathy with no questions asked racist death threats are not a consequence of grief and they do not simply cause offense <laughs> imagine that i only called you those racist things because my dad died <laughs> <laughs> like what what's your dad dying have to do with that it's kind of similar to when like that time that um pewdiepie was playing flipping call of duty and just randomly said nigger like randomly just getting getting shot and getting killed like, nigger! with like a hard r like why, why going for this like why are you, why is it the first thing you say when you get duppied in the game like <laughs> anyway apologies like this void the context and public discourse and are deeply dangerous and so is liking or condemning them oh all right mate liking the post is, is fucking dangerous is it give your head a wobble go for a jog anyway clubs are spaces of protest and resistance and refuge what really have you been to fabric <laughs> has this guy ever been to fabric i don't think that's a that's a space of protest resistance of refuge <laughs> they serve you drinks in plastic cups <laughs> what someone who is both unstable and radicalized cannot share safe spaces especially with those already more at risk i'm urging those closest to felix to ensure he gets the proper care this is unacceptable behavior for anyone but especially a privileged british person who has made a career of music of marginalized people of color all right relax reggae and reggaeton are resistance music the people's music zionists have no business playing it yeah you might as well tell benji b that as well in it tell benji b to stop playing at my piano then like shut up but anyway he's got a point i just want to say who's who's like in terms of being mentally unstable 
and also just being complete cunts who's worse podcasters or dj no who's worse out of podcasters yeah i'm gonna ask the poll i want to do it in the chat who um who's got the biggest ego yeah uh let's let's just let's ask this in the chat here um who has the biggest ego who has the biggest ego uh let's see let's write djs uh stand-up comedians stand-up comedians uh add another one let's do podcasters because i think it's quite neck and neck all all three i think it's quite neck and neck i can't really you know i can't really kind of pick out of them if i had to pick one i'd probably say stand-up comedians because they legitimately think they're changing the world by telling jokes on stage they honestly think they're changing the world um definitely um but there's also a hint of maybe podcasters because people who just sit in front of a microphone and just blabber like I do, some of them, especially the most successful ones, legitimately think they're way smarter than what they are and they legitimately think they're changing the world with what they're doing also. But I just feel like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn it. Uche, 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 Uche. Uche, please ban yourself from the chat. <laughs> Uche burning me. You're two of you're two for free, mate. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> I feel attacked. I feel attacked. I feel exposed. And I feel seen. But I honestly don't know who to choose as worst kind of ego. Because this is fucking crazy, man. This is fucking Felix Hall, the son of Terry Hall. Born on fucking the you know, born on third base. Got the hell of a life. Grandfathered in. And this is what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway continuing um in a statement sent to mix mag low said i have never before had a personal issue with felix hall the issue is the bigotry racism and violence he displayed and the greater dangers they represent since hall's public statement several musicians have appeared to step forward to share their experience with hall including why does everyone keep saying this like what, what is this about dance music we have to keep mentioning where you're from your nationality or your race north african dj like i think we'd kind of guessed that she was north african based on her name does it really matter? Like, I think it's only in flipping dance music that it matters. London based, Iraqi born, London raised, Swedish helmed. Like, what is all this shit about where you're from? As if it matters. Are you good or not? Can you, can you mix yeah or nay? Can you make us dance yay or nay? Anyway, let's continue. North African DJ Mawa Belhaj Youssef, who posted a screenshot of the Instagram of an Israeli flag emoji. She received a message from Hall two days before Lowe's statement. Um, it goes here. Ma Mawa told Mixmag that she had never had a conversation with Hall prior to receiving the message early in April. Most guys are like sliding into girls' DMs to basically hook up or to see if, you know, if they can hang out or take them out for dinner. And this guy is sliding into random girls' DMs and basically attacking them <laughs> with Zionist messages. Absolutely psychopath, this guy is. He's a danger for the scene, which should be a safe space for all of us. No, it, bruv, the only safe space you have is your house. And sometimes that's not even safe. Do you know what I mean? Unless you've got a blicky under your pillow. Like, there is no such thing as a safe space. It continues. Manuka Honey also posted a statement on Twitter on Tuesday, 11th of April, stating that her own experience with four, four years ago. Okay, cool. Let's see this. I want to see this one. Let's see this, this one. Four years ago, Felix Hall took my USB and scribbled. 
<laughs> I'm not going to say it, but you know what it is. Let's see what this is saying. Oh. <laughs> you're just saying you're not like the rest. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's very comforting. <laughs> I'm different than the other guys, not like the other guys. <laughs> Honestly, that was so brutal. I don't think I don't know why I didn't even I didn't even see that myself. Like you're two for three, mate. I, I should have seen that. While I was typing it myself. What an absolute idiot! I proper set myself up there. But anyway, continuing. It says here, this person. Um, they say four years later, I'm feeling I'm fe- finally speaking up about my experience with Felix Hall. Rob, listen and flipping notes app with a heading and everything and paragraphs. She's definitely angry. It continues. Felix Hall's Zionism, misogyny and threats of abuse. Felix Hall's harmful behavior is devastating yet unfortunately unsurprising to me. This is a person who lies about or lies about or is purposely ambiguous about his heritage in order to cosplay as a Latino man. <laughs> Terry Hall's not fucking Latino what felix hall's he's he's terry hall's son how can he be fucking latino (laughs) cosplay is latino he's trying to be he's trying to cosplay as my favorite barbers dominican barbers isn't it hey papi banger banger anyway continue um has uh, as a latino man has refused to perform before me on a lineup claiming to be a better dj and rescinded booking me after i refused to sleep with him oh that's brutal that's and that's that's what I'm wondering. Is what I'm thinking about this as well. I put the poll up already. Let's see the poll of who's of who's got the big. What what I, what what's my questions here? I said who's who has the biggest ego, and I and people are saying stand up comedians more so and podcasts a second. People are not voting for DJs at all. Okay, cool. I'm thinking for a for for a woman coming up in the industry, what's the most toxic and harmful place to be, like for your safety in terms of maybe getting assaulted in some way podcasting community i don't think so because you can kind of in you know inoc you know kind of isolate yourself from everybody but what's 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 more harmful where would you come more in harm's way stand-up culture scene you know in comedy clubs or in nightclubs i'm gonna say nightclubs just because it's dark and people are on tour and you're in hotel rooms and shit i think night nightclubs are probably more it's probably that kind of DJ scene has more of an option or more of a possibility of something crazy going on. But this seems to be a, a standard thing a lot of these guys do. And I always wondered why they do that to other fellow DJs. Like this kind of game would make more sense if you're, you know, talking to, it's a bit weird anyway, and it's kind of creepy in this on its own. But I would imagine this kind of game would work better with like fans. Like fans would probably be more willing to sleep with you just because you're famous as opposed to an up-and-coming artist you know because if anything if you're a girl even if you're single even if you don't mind you you know you don't mind hooking up with randoms it's probably not advisable to hook up with somebody who's trying to give you who's doing who's who's saying you should hook up with them because they're going to promise you something because it's probably going to damage how you're viewed and it's going to hurt you long term in the in the scene overall it's probably wiser to probably say no even though it will it probably also impact you than it is to kind of agree with it. It's going to get messy. It's going to get murky. It's like sleeping with people at work. It just never works out in the long term. I don't think. Anyway, there's some occasions where it does. You know, you've got work colleagues who kind of hook up and end up getting married and stuff. But for the long, for the most part, it just makes stuff messy. So maybe in this scene, if you're coming up as a DJ and you're a woman and stuff, you're probably best to kind of just avoid all of it. And if someone does say, just politely decline and keep it moving. 
or not politely decline tell them to go fuck themselves but still it's probably not a good idea and i don't know why the guys keep doing it to other artists you're better off trying to fuck a random on tour than another artist i would assume but hey what do i know how many times will he be excused for his actions this person says on the tune of mental health until real accountability comes into play i hope the people close to him who see and recognize his wrongdoings will call him in it takes a lot for me to post something like this but i have tried in the past to speak to felix um in private and he ridiculed then blocked me free palestine solidarity with muslim and arab community and the people he has harmed bloody hell brother this felix hall guy sounds like an absolute piece of shit doesn't he hall responded to the allegations on instagram but since deactivated his profile the statement said he is struggling with mental health uh that that old chestnut eh and was attempted to come to terms with the death of his father terry hall of the specials who passed away in december that is absolutely scumbag behavior to be fair you get accused of sending people zionist messages abusing people you know in some way sexually harassing others and then you try and use the memory of your dead dad as a way to kind of protect yourself that is psychotic scumbag behavior using your the memory of your dead dad as a human shield who's a legend in his own right is absolutely horrible the guy is turning in his grave mate awful an unhealthy relationship with alcohol is also unfortunately present yeah i am absolutely determined to both address and change in all possible way nihal um, a Cairo-based DJ and NTS host responded to Hall's apology, stating that this is an insult to people who've experienced grief. Um, okay, experienced grief. Not apology was given. Man manages to somehow frame Haddix as a victim and dangerously weaponizes mental health and grief as reasons behind racist and violent behavior. Exactly, that's a better way to put it. The non-apology was given and just to somehow frame Felix as a victim and dangerously weaponize his mental health and grief as reasons behind the racist, violent behavior. Yeah, this Felix Hall guy sounds like a piece of shit. Um, in a statement sent to Mixmag, Nihal added, um, Nihal, I said Nihal, um, added, um, people in solidarity with Palestine and anti-racists in general should not be shying away from having difficult conversation with people in their circles, even if it causes friction. Felix Hall has now been, has now made a decision. This is funny, right? Because NTS seem to be unwilling to do anything when it comes to these type of situations. NTS didn't even sack him. He stepped away first. <laughs> NTS is slightly like the, it's slightly like the live radio stage. It's, it's slightly like a, the dance music equivalent of fucking daily caller or some shit in it slyly they don't like getting involved at all in the slightest <laughs> felix hall has now made the decision to leave his regular show on nts which he had since 2016 we are made aware of the situation on the weekend and obviously we were shocked and upset nts told mix mag felix had decided to step down from his show which we agree is best course of action nts does not tolerate any form of bigotry but they didn't even fire him they let him step away easy pr win where they could have kind of made themselves look good and they don't stupid london gardens festival has removed felix hall from the lineup Ra ted he's gonna go perform at gala okay um this festival posted a statement on social media april 11th saying we are saddened to learn the comments made by felix hall recently um we have zero tolerance to hateful speech blah 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 hall's also scheduled to perform at venue mot on april 9th but also removed from the bill french label few crackles has released his tunes i've also put a statement condemning him so yeah basically you get condemned all around it's basically a wrap for him until you know until uh further notice but he'll be fine if he's using his dad's memory as a flipping human shield then you'll probably use his dad's money to basically prop himself up for the meantime absolute piece of shit um you know stay out there in the cold do your thing um but then moving on from that one i want to quickly mention this 
which I thought was interesting because I wondered <clears throat> what's happened with the guy. I wonder it <clears throat> right now. What's happened with um, Lobster Fairman founder Jimmy Asquith? I covered this before on my podcast regarding him. And essentially, he was accused of sexual assault and grooming by, I think, one person um, who had a pretty, you know, heartbreaking story about coming down to London from Scotland because of him. And he basically took advantage of her, allegedly. And, you know, some unfortunate circumstances or things happened, you know, which basically that person accused him of sexual assault and whatnot. And then he ended up having to basically put a statement out, um, basically saying he's going to take some time away. And since then, I've been into, you know, a check from time to time on RA and stuff, and he hasn't been booked anywhere, nowhere. So he hasn't come back off the back of this. Now, I wonder if this is probably the first legit cancellation I've seen in dance music. I don't think you see them that often. Usually people kind of have to go away for a bit and then they come back again because, you know, people want to book them and stuff. They've got a name. Um, they need to make some money, wherever it may be. And they kind of come back and people maybe just forget. But with this, um, one in terms of Asquith number one I haven't seen him get booked anywhere anytime soon unless people are not putting him on bills on lineup story and still booking him behind the scenes and of course his Instagram meme account I forgot the name of it. I think it might have been Katsu, Katsu for something like that that account hasn't been updated since the allegations transpired either so this is kind of the other side of like dance music counterculture where like it does work for some people and other people it doesn't work for and i'm just wondering why in this particular case it seemed to work for this guy this lobster ferryman dude but not for anybody else because i've got a feeling as much as a piece of shit that felix hall sounds like he's probably going to be able to kind of weather the storm put his head down and pop back up again and pretend you know like nothing happened but for some reason um with jimmy asquith it's not really worked out the same way maybe the severity of the crimes are maybe you know the reasons why who knows um that could probably be put you know part of the reason like if you get accused of you know some some could argue if you take your position that you've got in culture to do great things and you take a bunch of people and you get accused of this you probably shouldn't come back in any way shape or form anyway but i'm just wondering why it seems like his one seems to be sticking more like where is jimmy at? And, and and if that's the case and he's actually cancelled what is he actually doing now I'm curious about that. Like, what is he actually doing now, day to day? What is he doing to maybe change the air, you know, change his past behaviors to make it right with the other person who basically accused him of this? Um, if that's at all possible, um, what's he doing for money just day to day? Like, what happens when you get, when you go from being like a pretty popular DJ who people seem to like? Cause I feel like on social media, he was kind of well liked also because he seemed to have a pretty jovial manner online to take not to take self too seriously the instagram account was super popular at the time as well and then you just kind of it all kind of stops what happens what's life after like getting cancelled obviously the person that accused him the victim probably doesn't give a shit and probably hopes he flipping gets run over in traffic that's understandable but just as an outside perspective of somebody that's not involved in the slightest i'm just curious to know what he's doing day to day like what's happening there i wonder is he working in tesco's is he just chilling out is he playing under a pseudonym like what's what's the deal i'm really really curious because um let's see let's see what, what was his final statement in these because he released a statement on twitter when it actually happened and i've got it here on the screen what did he actually say at the end of it like what was the final statement there the final page of the statement that he read because i think it was like four pages it was quite a lot there was a lot of words that he put out there to kind of essentially refute this um what do you say 
given these lies and distortions of events oh that's what he did didn't he? he didn't actually admit it he actually defended himself and said he didn't do it which is a pretty ballsy move to be fair um he says i've worked in the electronic music industry for over 10 years and i've invested countless hours of to artists labels colleagues and many individuals who had aspirations and those who quite simply just wanted to take some advice or talk to i have conducted myself as a professionally as possible where while growing and learning as a human being during that time i've had my i've had own my own struggles with mental health alcohol and substances i'm sure there has been moments in these times where my behavior has been uncomfortable but if that has ever been the case or if i've ever upset anyone then i'm truly sorry for this but since then again he hasn't been seen since then so i wonder what the guy's doing day to day i wonder what he's doing day to day i really do i'm just kind of curious when the outside looking in but i'm sure most people out there don't give an absolute scooby what he's doing day to day because of the offense that he committed which is understandable to be honest understandable understandable in all its entirety moving on from that one we have to talk about this this is quite possibly one of the greatest um hit pieces in fashion i've ever read in my entire life and i think it's incredibly hilarious because it does kind of speak to the general unease and suspicion some people felt in the air when this story initially kind of leaked and went online so i'm not sure most of you know but this guy here called law roach he's a very popular celebrity stylist who's more famous for his work recently with zendaya he went kind of viral a few weeks ago a few months ago where he basically put out instagram post saying that he's retired from fashion because of just you know stress or whatever maybe he didn't really you know he didn't really um expound and kind of reveal the reason why but because he's so well known um for his work with Zendaya and just a popular figure in his own right and stuff he's done on tv everyone's just a bit shocked like oh my god he's he's kind of you know retiring what's going on blah 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 it was a big kerfuffle in fashion everyone's kind of lending their support and whatnot and this came off the back of a clip going viral of him um walking uh, towards his seats to go watch a fashion show. I think it's for Louis Vuitton wins that day. And there's in front of him. She goes and sits down on her chair and Laura Roach's chair or seat that he was meant to have is not available. So then he has to stand awkwardly as, you know, Zendaya is sitting down and kind of looking around to see where his seat is. And obviously his seat doesn't, you know, appear from thin air and everybody kind of felt really bad for him because i think in in one way or the other we've all had those situations in our lives where we've kind of felt like we weren't really wanted or needed in the space due to these little micro type of aggression type of thing people do by not having your name on the list not having your seat reserved for you even though you reserved ahead of time or booking whatever it may be called everyone kind of felt a little bit sad and embarrassed for him so seeing that video and also hearing the announcement of him saying he retired everyone kind of put two and two together and thought oh my god the industry has kind of ground down another of our black stylist heroes and it's crazy and it's sad but there were some people also who were thinking this is a bit of a press run this feels a little bit purposeful this feels like he's playing the game and this feels like he's you know this doesn't feel real this doesn't feel authentic there's something a bit sus about this something's up and i guess it's now been proven um, in some part because of this hit piece that is titled law roach and the red carpet pilling of the styling industry and it's really funny because this woman um lauren sherman absolutely tears him apart and essentially says law roach is a bit of a cunt behind the scenes and no one was surprised when he said he retired because he's a nightmare to deal with day to day 
like he's a nightmare deal. And I kind of like these things because I feel like in the scene that I've kind of been in, look, you know, loosely associated and, and whatnot in my own regard, I feel like I've come across many a people who have been this, who, who I can kind of relate to. No, I, yeah, I've kind of come across with many people who kind of sound like the way this woman sound, describes Law Roach. And they kind of get away with their, you know, horrible behavior because they're pretty famous, because they're well, you know, because they're good at what they do or because they just have a name and notoriety in the industry. Maybe their work isn't good, but it's just because they're well-known people kind of, you know, kind of forgive them for their bullshit behavior. And it never really sat well with me ever. And I think one of the reasons why I've never really been able to really succeed and make it in the scenes that I've kind of been in is because I don't have the ability to kind of put up with people treating me or talking to me like shit just because they're somebody well known or just because they have got a good job on paper or because they have got money or because they've know someone famous i just could never handle disrespect that i felt like or disrespect or just be able to kind of you know smile and laugh at things that people say just because they're famous even if they're not funny i just could never do it and i think it's not a good thing uh, number one i'm not kind of bragging about it i think it's one of my kind of shortcomings where i'm not able to kind of maybe you know um well i'm not kind of maybe able to kind of put up with things my threshold for that kind of stuff is not as high as it probably should be um and i think in some ways in past if you're in this scene if you're in these little small subcultures and niches and industries you kind of have to have an ability to kind of put up with bullshit you kind of have have the ability to kind of play the game a little bit and if you play the game it can sometimes lead to some level of success especially if you feel like this stuff is your calling and the stuff that you want to actually do for the long term in your life is probably worth it to just you know laugh at a couple dumb jokes um be okay with going to get someone's coat if they tell you to go get it i don't know whatever it probably is probably beneficial but i just could never do it and it kind of really i think probably hurt me in terms of not being able to maybe succeed in certain places and maybe other things also but i think that maybe it's a main thing but anyway the article is absolutely brutal the first line already the first few lines she kind of hits it out of the park right i'm gonna read it here this is courtesy of Lauren Sherman. Did you hear that Law Roach was retiring? Probably. Do you even know who Law Roach is? <laughs> so bitchy. If you don't before March 14th, if you did it before March 14th, sorry, the celebrity stylist head scratching Instagram announcement made him famous enough for you to know him now. The story remained top of the mind for nearly a month. Surviving Gwyneth Paltrow's award-worthy run of um, ski trial outfits and the spiking popularity of the word capacious, in short, law, best known for styling Zendaya, Megan Thee Stallion, Celine Dion, and, and at one point Cardi B and Anna Taylor-Joy, declared just days after the Oscars that his cup was empty and that he was done with celebrity styling. The politics, this is a quote, the politics, the lies and the false narratives finally got me. You win. I'm out, he said, noting that if this business was about clothes, I would do it just for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, it's not. It, <laughs> the comments spread like Ozempic's prescription through PR text chains and celebrity websites with industry insiders, obsessives alike asking what really happened. Sure, it's a tough job, but why would one of the most revered and powerful celebrity stylists want to quit on the spot at the peak of their powers? And that's what everybody was thinking on social, right? Everybody's thinking on social, like, why is he quitting? What's going on? And of course, in that, in those kind of, you know, um, what's that thing called? In like a typical 
attention-seeking way that some of these people are, he didn't explain it. Of course, didn't expound on it, put out some tweet, put out some statement, no explanation, no more clarification needed. Just you guys dance with that and get crazy. But people were scratching their chin like, hmm, something's up here. It continues. Roach has since deleted the post. I messaged him to ask why and I've yet to hear back. And yet he's still at top of the mind. Just last week, Roach flew to Mumbai to attend an event and where he walked a red carpet with Zendaya. The appearance would help to um, ex explicate what exactly Roach wants. Sure, he wants to support Zendaya, whose proliferating fame um, has benefited him financially and amplified his own celebrity. But at the end of the day, the guy also wants to be famous too, to be a brand unto himself and to be famous for being famous perhaps so that he doesn't have to, stylist, to be a stylist anymore and famous enough that it's clear that his retirement is actually just semantics. This, again, brings me back to what I said before. There must be something about being famous or becoming no, you know, or, or having some level of notoriety really late in life. There's definitely something about it that breaks your brain. And I think with Law Roach, again, I don't know much about the guy, but let's just double check here. I'm going to guess he's, he's, he's an older gentleman. He's probably older than 20, right? Let's say age. Yeah, he's 44 years old, allegedly, right? Law Roach is 44 years old. I'm willing to bet Law Roach's success like in mainstream culture has only come about in the probably the last 10 years or so maybe even five if that's the case there definitely has to be something to be said for the phenomenon of like making it really late in life but then also being the type of person who always deep down knew that you were a star then when you finally do make it it kind of turns you into a bit of a tyrant you kind of turn into a bit of a diva because you're like, I, sh I deserve this. I should have had this way longer, way before. And then usually what ends up happening, like I've, I've seen before in the industry, you end up getting in the industry and end up meeting some of your heroes and people that you think are really impressive. And you ends up turning out that the people that you think are really impressive and really smart aren't that impressive and aren't that smart. And then it makes you even more bitter and more pissed off that you had to spend so many years on the outside looking in working bullshit jobs not fulfilling your dreams and these are the people that were kind of keeping you away from your dream quote unquote, in a weird way so i wonder if that kind of plays into it that sort of thing where you finally do make it and then you make it and you just become a bit of a tyrant a bit of a diva and you just become a bit of a prick i wonder if that's the thing that happens there and in this case laura roach's case maybe deep down he always thought he was a star also and styling was just an opportunity to kind of get closer to the stars and now he's got that star dust on him he doesn't want to rush it off at all. Roach's behavior in front of camera says in the quote in the article, Roach's behavior in front of the camera and his alleged behavior behind the scenes says a lot about the state of celebrity styling today and what a messy, sordid, unfair business it can be. Um, we've got a brief history of styling there. We don't need to read about that. Um, luxury brands. Oh, actually, the interesting thing about this is just the pay. That is one thing that I didn't really know about styling in terms of pay. I thought that was an interesting part. Let me see if I can find it here. There was a part here about the pay word where it's kind of messy how it works out, to be fair. Um, yeah, let's see. It's, it starts about here. <clears throat> Rachel Zoe, who parlayed her work into creating a media brand and other ventures, helped to pave the way, um, helped to pave an entrepreneurial pathway for the micro industry. 
Her ascent in the late aughts coincided with the regularization, with the regularization, sorry, pay to play model on the red carpet. At the, at first, luxury brands were so prestigious that they did not have to offer anything but a free custom fit dress to talent. However, as the red carpet became more powerful, market tool, top actors used that to leverage to ask for more money. Initially, it was structured like an advertising or sponsorship contract. A star in our campaign wear our gowns at least three times a year over the course of five years and we'll pay you 10 million. As competition increased, however, the campaigns was no longer always part of the equation. Visit an actress room at Cannes, for instance, and you might uncover five dresses hanging in her closet, each with an envelope containing a piece of paper with a dollar figure written in it. It's likely she'll be wearing a brand that's willing to pay her the most. The rule in general is that it has, if it, it all has a cost, one luxury executive reminded me. This is probably the reason why, this is probably the reason why a lot of the red carpet looks are so horrible. This probably explains it. So imagine if you're an actress and you're in your changing room and you've got five different outfits picked out for you, all with an envelope inside it with a with a with a with a kind of with a dollar amount, how much they're willing to pay if you wear that outfit. Most likely, you would imagine the brand with the horrible with the worst outfit picked out for you or the worst brand will definitely give you the most money. It's just, it's just what it is, right? I'd imagine a Philip Plin probably pays way more than Dolce Gabbana. So then you pick the Philip Plin suit and then you end up looking like, you know, like an extra from the flipping Matrix in a bad way. That's probably the reason why people dress so terribly on red carpets because they just go to whoever pays them the most. Pretty crazy game. It continues. But a cost to whom? This is where it gets tricky. Today, many brands still claim that they don't play for they don't pay for red carpet placements, but most of them will if they have no other choice. And sometimes that means upwards of a hundred thousand for one appearance, and it could be plenty more if it's at the Oscars. Sometimes a brand will bake into another ask, like requiring the actor or actress to post on Instagram and tag their brand, calling it content creation. How the actors, team and hairstylists and manicurists and makeup artists and wardrobe stylists, not to mention all their assistants gets paid is another question. So the brand pays the actress to wear the clothes and then somehow the actor is meant to use that money to pay the team to help them put together the look. But I'm sure there are some actresses out there who are like, it's just clothes. What do I need really? Just get hair and makeup and then get to your friend to just your your most because I'm sure actors have at least one friend who likes fashion, right? And that friend is usually somebody who wears like skinny jeans and Gucci loafers or something. But at least they've all have one friend in their contact list who, who who can dress well. Just get your friend to come down, you know, and then they can help you out dressing and you just keep all the money. That definitely explains why there's so many terrible looks on the on the red carpet because why would you spend more money if you don't need to? Anyway, it continues. Follow the money. Today, everyone, even producers and, and producers' spouses, want to stylist for a big awards event. And agencies like the Wall Group, owned by Endeavor, have a deep enough roster of people to help them get dressed. It used to be that the studios would pony up these days. However, the studios only have budgets for the biggest films and biggest stars. More often than not, the talent has to pay for the glam team out of his, his or own pocket, um, something most working artists actors cannot afford or probably don't want to or the brand needs to pay the fee 
It's a push-pull between the brands with actors and representatives negotiated deals. Often, stylists are the last priority, so they can resort to some pretty questionable behaviors. Many big brands, both fashion and fine jewelers, put stylists on a financial retainers, say 250000 a year, so that their products get prioritized. Stylists often keep their agreements hidden from their clients, and it can create a tension if the client finds out. This is really, really weird because this also means that if you hire a stylist and an actor and they're on a retainer to like Balenciaga, they may be more prone or more incentivized to recommend Balenciaga clothes to you, even though it doesn't work for you or you don't like the clothing because they're getting paid by the brand to, you know what I mean? That's it kind of, it's not a conflict of interest, but it doesn't actually give you the hope or the satisfaction that they're picking up the best stuff for you they're just picking up the stuff that people are paying for to get in front of you because you're the one person they can get get the clothes in front of them too right anyway another popular thing is to do a slip the slip the bill for the styling fee to the brand at the last minute even after the event so that they have no choice but to pay up someone like roach can receive thirty thousand for one major look oh that's interesting that's really underhand. Roach made a name for himself by taking a page out of Zoe's self-branding playbook and being the first black stylist to do so. But he's not as well liked as, as she once was. Over the years, he has been accused of behind the scenes of many of the worst fashion offenses. He's been described as enthusiastically as difficult and defensive by many of designers and VIP publicists I caught up with after his announcement. They said that they often made things more difficult for himself than those working for him absolute piece of shit and again this is why i think it's important to say this thing because i feel like in general people's bad behaviors can generally be called out especially if you think they're doing good work it should be called out so that they can change i feel like people kind of excuse people's bad behavior because they're good at what they do or because they're talented it eventually creates a monster and usually those monsters end up doing things that affect a large number of people and I think most of the things could be avoided if someone just was willing to be brave enough to step up and say, hey, you're being a bit of a prick. You're being a bit of a diva. You're being a little bit, you know, up your own ass, whatever it may be. Can you chill? Can you relax? People don't feel good. Whatever it may be. That needs to be said, you would imagine. But, you know, everyone's too scared and wants to protect their flipping spot. Article continues. At the same time, they still feel like they need him. His proximity to Zendaya made him too powerful to push back against and many emphasize of his personal struggle as a black person who came from a low-income background and managed to rise up for the ranks of a lit of a of this weird little pocket of fashion where to be clear you need to be difficult in order to navigate all the hard sharp elbows thrown your way so essentially the the thing that probably allowed him you know allowed him to probably step into the industry right being black and being one of the only black people in the industry um with a certain taste level and a certain ability i'm sure he was maybe afforded some opportunities based on that is also the one thing people are scared about because they don't want to be they don't want to look like they're being racist by pointing out that he's being a prick because he's one of the only few high profile black celebrity stylists out there <laughs> i'm sure he knew that also i'm sure he knew he'd get away with way more because of that like oh that's where all that flipping that's what all that flipping stuff kind of has a it's a bit of a double-edged sword isn't it in one way you want to make sure that you have some level of representation in the industry and whatnot but then some people end up taking that representation and using it legitimately like a sword like a shield or whatever it may be to do whatever they need to do it continues 
Not being rich and white poses challenges in every part of the fashion industry, but particularly in the realm of celebrity styling, stylists are perpetually in a state of uncomfortable fashion limbo. They need to be the, near the stars forces them to live in Los Angeles, which is, which is the, which the Paris and New York people view as tacky. And yet those Paris and New York people still need their looks and connections. Other than Kate Young, who came up in a traditional fashion editorial and was Anna Wintour's assistant at one point, I can't think of another celebrity stylist deeply embedded in the traditional fashion world. Shirley Curata, maybe, because she's cool. And up and coming like Daniel Goldberg, again cool. Most of them, though, aren't part of fashion's inner circle. And that's really true, too, I've always wondered. There's this other lady, too, I remember. I forgot her name. I think it's that Riley. I forgot. Is it Riley or... Neve, I forgot her name, but it's this one lady who's American who styles Hailey Bieber and I think also stylish Justin Bieber. But Hailey Bieber specifically because she's kind of well liked online and a lot of people think she has really good style and she wears cool outfits and shit, right? And for me, the one thing that's really interesting is I feel like even though she's American and obviously a big star, Hailey Bieber, in her own right and famous and stuff, it's weird because there's a real disconnect between her and kind of big European brands. Whereas I feel like she does shift more product than probably the stuff that they do themselves in-house. Like if, let's say, Balenciaga, you know, if she's kind of dressed head to toe in Balenciaga, I'd imagine whatever she's wearing that girls like online and see her wearing, that will probably end up selling out way more because she's wearing it than it would do some random person. But then she's not really in the inner circle of fashion people. Same thing could be said for the stylist. They're not kind of embraced. It's kind of a weird industry. It's like they kind of live in America, they pull their looks from brands in Europe and give them to, you know, American celebrities to wear. But then the European people kind of look down on them and kind of think they're a bit corny. Weird. Roach may be a victim of industrial snobbery, but he's also he's also got haters closer to the ground. Many of his predecessors, bitter from losing clients to young, cheaper stylists, resent Roach and the attention he brings to himself, scoffing at his trademarking of the highfalutin term image architect. <laughs> <laughs> that's like in djing in the djing world there are people out there who call themselves selectors or crate diggers and stuff it's like ugh. like get over yourself it's dj essentially you're like a human jukebox basically with taste but that's it you know selector it's a stylist no i'm an image architect i think i'm um, another one is i think photographers like image maker it's like, come on, get over yourself. Anyway, it continues. Annoyed by the fact that he wants to be treated like a talent when he is in reality support staff. Styling might require skill, but in the end, it's a service job. Brutal. Brutal. If the history of any indication, it's unlikely that Roach will be able to turn this brand building exercise into a long-term business. And long, um, how long will he remain in such a powerful position will depend on whether he can maintain a relationship with Zendaya and build new ones because the tide is changing once again with a new couple of stylists willing to work cheaper and with the smile rising up yo that's a mad bitchy way to end it but it has got me thinking in general about that quote i always mention about joey diaz where he said to flipping lisa yeah oh the reason why i didn't want to help him was because he didn't want lisa yeah to basically be hanging around with joey diaz and bill burr and all these other big comics i think he's made it he needs to be kind of hanging around with people on his own level and I think in general, in general, right, I honestly think, oh, thank you, Uche, you're, you're, you're amazing. I, I don't think I'd be good. I don't think I have the patience. I think I can, you know, I can throw out your recommendations to people in comments, but I think in real life, I wouldn't have the patience to be a good stylist. I think you have to be, it's probably like being a good psychologist or something, right? Someone psychiatrist probably, I think. 
you kind of have the ability to kind of have that nurturing caring bit about you also uh and just be somebody's shoulder to cry on i don't think i can do that in real life personally i'd get probably annoyed but yeah big up to you um i'm wondering overall if that's probably half of the half of the issue with law roach might be that he has been hanging around too much with zendaya and i wonder if that's actually a thing also if you have if you're working in an industry where you have a friend that's really famous or a client that's really famous it can be difficult to know what your position and to know where you stand because you're around this famous person and you sometimes start to believe the gas that you're also as famous as them when you're clearly not that could be a bit of an issue also that he just can't you know because he's been around her for so long he legitimately thinks he's as famous as her when he's not i don't know maybe that's a fact maybe it isn't but i thought that article from that lady was absolutely brutal she tore him apart tore him an absolute new one and he's probably still recovering from it till this day he's probably still recovering from it till this day moving on from that one let's talk about this quickly this is an interesting one courtesy of daily mail and it features this crazy article about guys out there deciding to get flipping ab etching done imagine how crazy of a dude you have to be to kind of get ab etching done just imagine but it seems to be very popular it seems to be very 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 popular and it's got me wondering what sort of cosmetic surgery would i be willing to do and i don't think there's many to be fair i think i mentioned it before the most thing I'd be willing to do is the, the flipping Turkish teeth. But I think after hearing countless people who have Turkish teeth have that weird lisp and whistle thing when they're talking and having many people in my comments basically tell me, don't get it. You're better off getting Invisalign and actually, you know, sorting out your actual teeth than going and getting these fake ones put in. I don't think there's anything else I'd want to do personally. Um, even if I had no hair, I don't think I'd go to Turkey to get my hair done. I'll just have it bored and live the DMX life. It's not that deep for me in the slightest. Um, even though I grow my hair and don't cut it often, I wouldn't be that bothered if it kind of all fell out and I just had a body. It's not that big of a deal. There's n And I think all it, when it comes to body stuff, I'd much rather, because I think it's just, a per, it's, just a, it's, just a, it's just a person thing. There are people out there who want shortcuts or who would like help. I just like suffering. I think that's the main thing. I just like suffering and I like punishing myself. So I don't think I could ever be in a position where I could justify getting ab implants because I just rather suffer and punish myself in the gym to try to get it done. It probably, you know I mean, it would be hard, but I would definitely do that more so than take a shortcut. I just won't want to do it. Um, I just have too much pride, I guess, to do it that way. Maybe. Um, but I don't see anything wrong with it. People want to get it done. I just think it's a really funny thing that people are doing because it also shows that despite things like Ozempic existing, right? The drug that everyone's taking now, where essentially the drug, I think it's meant for people that have diabetes or something, but essentially the drug, what it does is that it makes food not tasty or it makes you feel really full one or the one or one or the one or the other, which obviously helps you not eat that much. So you can essentially have the weight kind of fall off. So even with those drugs that exist, people still want to get work done like that drug is kind of is giving you a bit of a head start to kind of get the weight off you know in in a really drastic way in, to begin with you're not eating too much but still that's not enough for some people they need to tuck they need this and need that so it's article anyway Kurt's your daily mail speaks about it it says exclusive america's booming secret male plastic surgery industry revealed 1.3 million men in america are getting bbls 
lipo and ab implants that cost up to 4000 each year in what has been dubbed the daddy the daddy do over <laughs> which is hilarious and what's funny about this is that 1.3 million means that most likely these are not all gay men it's just impossible the the numbers don't back it up so anybody thinking it's just gay men getting it done it's not so there are many straight guys out there who are getting bbls just because they feel like their bum is too small or because it's too fat <laughs> or it's too flat sorry imagine that <laughs> that's funny because it'd be something you'd assume that most gay guys would get done but i can imagine just like a regular dude who plays football on the weekends with his mates is deciding you know what i don't like the way my, my, my bum looks in shorts i need some more bounce in there anyway it continues um article courtesy of the daily mail let me pause this fucking annoying autoplay video that always does on there it says um there's been a silent surge in male plastic surgeries over the last 20 years in what some experts have dubbed the daddy do of a trend figures in north sorry figures in american society of plastic surgery suggest that 1.3 million men in the u.s are going under the knife each year for lipo nose jobs breast reduction and even brazilian butt lifts social media is awash with rumors of celebrities like liam payne and simon cowell getting face tweaks i don't think it's a rumor about simon cowell i think he's said it but few famous men have publicly admitted to having surgery i think the other one is what that people always say is drake they say drake got stomach um i mean ab etching done which may be a thing who knows but i think drake was smart also he got he, he may have got what he got done but he also worked out a bunch as well i think that's the best way to do it you need to kind of get, if you're going to get work done you also need to make some final tweaks yourself on your end changing your diet working out a bunch doing loads of cardio that definitely is going to be a good combination but if you just go under the knife to change absolutely everything and do no work that's when you end up looking crazy <clears throat> it continues dr matthew del Moro, a plastic surgeon in nyc told daily mail that while many female celebrities proudly flaunt their results of their procedures the taboo still exists among men um he estimates 15 percent of patients in his manhattan clinic are men and a number that continues to rise 15 percent 15 percent crazy that's a lot in it like way more than you'd imagine some men have not been put off by the stigma however last june's chicago rapper badman kever went viral after announcing hepatic surgery but you can tell in it look at that he looks like an action man here <laughs> he's like pumped up with something look how clear that water is bloody hell beautiful it continues look at it so this is a picture that shows badman kever before and after his work it looks like he got his breast or his uh, male titties got taken in and obviously you got the stomach etching done also and i wonder if the implants because this is etching i know etching is like where they try and make the abs pop out a little bit but i wonder with the implants are they actually putting stuff into your stomach to make you look like you got abs that's pretty so what happens when you get fat then you just have like a fat belly with abs on top of it that's gonna look crazy that's him there looking great um, let's continue it says the daddy do over is a play on the term mummy makeover or a combination of cosmetic procedures to restore a woman's appearance for men the goal is to get rid of the dad bod um, they may have got in the changes of diet or routine become apparent according to american society of surgery procedures aimed at trimming fat such as liposuction or staples of the daddy day, day, um, do over kever who underwent the abdominal waist surgery um, shares result on instagram he said i was working out hard and still couldn't lose my stomach fat that's a lie by the way what i don't like is people who lie about their work if you're gonna get your work done just get it done because you want to get it done but the lie that people do like especially women they love that with the breasts oh my breast because my back was hurting no it wasn't you just want an excuse to get it done 
you know what I mean? Like, just get it. Like, oh, my nose, I couldn't breathe at night. No, you just wear the smaller nose. Just get it. Just, just be honest about it. So most people don't work out hard enough or change their diet considerably enough to actually make the necessary changes to lose that stomach fat because usually stomach fat is usually the most stubborn fat to kind of get rid of. Um, so I don't believe him that he done it as hard as he can. He just couldn't bother to work out. And that's fine. I think it's perfectly fine to say, I can't be bothered to work out. So I'd much rather go on the knife. That's okay. Just be honest about it. And we continued. Kevin wrote, I was 284 pounds. Now I'm 220, but you still have to work out hard. I had them take fat from everywhere to form my shit. My lower back, my... Oh, wow. They took the fat from what? Other places and put some... Um, I had them take the fat out from my lower back, my legs, everywhere. Um, was weird about my body because I weighed 284. He received backlash from his fans, but stated that it's a trend that's being not, that isn't being talked about. Most rappers ain't going to tell you the source, he said. Kevin is not the only celebrity opting for plastic surgery. In March, expecting that former One Direction star, um, Liam Payne, went on the knife, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, a Simon Cow there, and a picture of Liam Payne. Liam Payne looks crazy. He looks legitimately crazy. I know the picture on the left of here, he looks more like a baby. Um, and clearly this has taken years before, right? 2015, he was definitely way younger. He's got a bit of the baby fat there. But this face here on the right in 2023 is legit insane. Like he's got the Johnny Bravo. I mean, whatever he got, like that is crazy. The work that he got in there. He legitimately changed the structure of his entire face and got it done. But hey, it kind of is what it is, isn't it? I'm happy that people are doing what they need to be done in order to make themselves happy. And if they are happy, what else could we complain about? What else could we, on the outside, complain about? I don't think anything else. Anyways, that is going to be it for me, actually. It's 2.30 um, of time that I've kind of put in here. Thank you so much for those of you guys who have tuned in live. It's been a pleasure. Never, ever a chore as per usual. Um, hopefully, if you've enjoyed the show, you can show me a bit of love by smashing the like button down below if you are watching the live stream. If you're listening to the audio side of this podcast, then you don't need to do that. Just share it. That'd be greatly appreciated. Share it to your family and friends. Let them know that I'm out here doing what I'm doing. That'd be greatly appreciated. And I will, of course, see you guys again very, very soon. And of course, oh yeah, last thing. If you are watching the via the audio platform of the show, what you will hear is my tune of the day. Most likely it'll be a song taken from, um, what you may call it, um, Daniel Caesar's newest album, Never Enough. That'll be playing as an outro for this podcast. So if you definitely want to hear my tune today, then definitely jump over to the audio side and fast forward to the end and you'll hear that. If you're watching via the video side of things, it'll just fade to black. And I'll see you guys again very, 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 very soon. Take care. Be well, everybody. Peace. I'm trying to breathe Why won't you let me I'm trying to leave Please just forget me Hang on to sleep Our sun is setting And hardly believe This got so messy
Run out of 